All right, so Allison is going to be joining us in a few minutes, and I'm going to continue to drink my, uh, my, uh, God, McDonald's coffee just doesn't really compare at all to, um, to Dunkin' Donuts coffee. But <clears throat> some of the things that we're going to discuss today with Allison are, um, as, I, as I said, the metaverse was something she was talking about a while ago. She was also talking about uh, the, some of the terms you're going to hear me ask about today. Again, this is unscripted. Um, I script a little bit, but as you can see, I have total ADD. So the title, it still, it still fits. We're going to talk about the spatial web. I'm going to talk about the internet of bodies, the internet of things, which most people have heard about. We're going to talk about digital twinning. And we're going to talk about the metaverse. And uh, hopefully Allison can help us tie all of those things together um, and paint a picture for the world that we're headed in. Um, I'm going to include a clip uh, through the use of uh, fair use and all of that of um, just a, a few minute clip, if I can make it work, not very tech savvy, uh, of the discussion between Joe Rogan and Ben Shapiro, just a few minutes of it. Um, I don't know that Allison has seen it, uh, but again, people like Allison were on top of this uh, long before conversations were being had on major platforms like the Joe Rogan experience. Once again, that's not to say that I'm not thrilled to see that the conversation's being had, but if you wanna go real deep, we'll talk about the spatial web, we'll talk about the internet of bodies, the internet of things, and we'll talk about the players involved as best as we can um, and just might surprise you to see who's involved and where we're headed. So make a note who's involved and goal. And um, to be fair, if I'm remembering correctly uh, to Allison, one of the things that Allison stipulates, um, at least uh, during the last long talk that I saw that she gave in Tucson, Arizona, is that um, while, and I'll include the PowerPoint link in there, uh, include Tucson talk, um, is that it, there's a lot of nuts and bolts here. There's a lot of moving parts. So yes, this is where they want to take us. Um, it's not hidden. I like Elson always says, no one drops her a secret tip and is like, you know, Here's the state secret. Um, they put it all out there for us to see, and now it's emerging into our everyday lives. Uh, I will put up a picture when, during the talk that Alice and I are having. Oh, here she is. Looks like the audio is connected. Can you hear me? Hello, I can. All right. Sorry for being a little late. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's all right. I was just doing a little intro there. I'm turning my volume up because. I think it was a little low. Can you? I can hear you good. All right, perfect. Uh, all right. <coughs> so um, first of all, how are you doing? I'm good. It's kind of rainy today, but I'm I'm getting ready to sew my quilt for Jason. So I'm like, I was upstairs playing with all the colors and all the perfect, stuff. And then I was perfect, like, oh. uh, perfect weather for like a nice comforting indoor activity. It's funny that uh, it's raining up there and 
I had to just to go and get a coffee, had to warm up my car like old times back in Connecticut for 15 minutes because it's so iced over because we had an ice storm here or what they oh, call it, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> but after 16 years down here, I realized that I, I tease people in Austin, but I've become that. I'm like, yeah. what is this? You know what I mean? Like I can drive in it. Uh, I, 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 my, my driving skills still persist, but like uh, it's, it's, it's a big deal. Um, I moved away from Connecticut in my early twenties, not realizing that, Hey, it does kind of uh, sometimes have, you have winter storms in central Texas. Um, I just pictured Texas to be warm, sunny without any of those things. So uh, anyway, I had reached out to you. I did a little intro just kind of while I was waiting um, and made a list okay. of some of the things that I wanted to discuss with you, Allison, because um, I was going through my Twitter feed. I restarted Twitter as much as I disdained social media. I realized that I, I, I see no other way to get involved um, and get messages out there, much the way that you've been able to educate so many people, much the way that I was first introduced to you through YouTube, I, and then we <laughs> developed um, a, a really awesome friendship, and, in addition to me learning from you through social media. So, you know, it has its goods and it has its bads. But so I'm on Twitter, and I'm scrolling through on my overnight job, and I come across a picture, which if I can share my screen, I will bring up and it just um, and then and then the whole um, I don't know that I can uh, let's see and then the whole Joe Rogan and Ben Shapiro thing so can you see this picture here do you see this uh, uh yeah <clears throat> okay um so uh, it's it's you know it's just a picture so oh, i can't wow. scroll and show yeah. the whole thing but it's Great. from gemini decentral uh decentraland the sandbox and axie infinity are some of the leading names in the metaverse space sign up now and start to build your own world with gemini and um twins all <laughs> right isn't gemini yes. the twin yes mm -hmm. and um if you don't, if you don't mind, real quick, uh, I also wanted before we have a discussion um, to play a quick clip from uh, the Joe Rogan experience, about three minutes, where him and Ben Shapiro are talking about this. Regardless of what uh, I have my opinions on those two, I agree with some of the stuff. I don't agree, but this caught me, and the reason it caught me is because as glad as I am that the topic is hitting big platforms. The first thing I thought to myself is, well, people like Allison have been talking about this for a while, and now you're seeing it kind of birthed into like the mainstream. It's mm -hmm. it's hitting. I mean, I, I can't imagine, uh, even though Joe, apparently, I don't follow his podcast. It's much too long for one thing, and, and I have only known him as a comedian back in the day. But um, the idea that they would be talking about this at all, not just just unfathomable um so i wanted to play this real quick and and have you hear some of the stuff that they say uh and then we'll just okay. kind of take it from there so me and my tech savvy self let's go ahead and try to make this work again i'm always like really proud of myself when i pull something off technologically speaking um 
because I'm not very good at all that stuff. So here we go. We'll try to make it full screen for everyone. About the metaverse, because like uh, I'm really fascinated by this decision of Facebook to change the name of Facebook to Meta and to it, it, the metaverse, which I think people are just gonna they're, they're gonna like re they're gonna realize that that this is this is a crazy idea that you're gonna give your life to some sort of augmented or virtual reality world that's created by a guy who's involved in this company whose algorithms are sowing the seeds of distrust and hate. But now we're going to fucking let him take over what you see and feel because you're going to have a new company and this new company is going to be virtually reality based where he's literally, he, he reenacted a scene from black mirror. Yeah. Well, which is uh, unironically. I know. And you know what makes me a little sad? I think that, it's gonna happen. You think it's gonna happen? Yeah, I think that you and I are of a different generation, dude. I think there are a lot of kids who are growing up in Fortnite world and spend a lot, and I think the pandemic really accelerated this. There are a lot of people who lived online for the entire pandemic. And so for people like me and for people like my parents, not seeing other humans for a long time was actually quite painful and terrible. Like we actually did want to get out and be with the community and see friends and do that sort of stuff. What if you spend your entire life from the time you're a little kid interacting with screens what if those screens are getting increasingly sophisticated so that they are interacting with you in ways that humans would? What if you get to be whatever, like, we're a society, we we're just talking about this, where you get to be whatever you want to be? What if there's a world where you actually can be and everybody sees you the way you want to be seen? Would you rather live there where you're, like, rich and good-looking and everybody likes you? Or would right. you rather live in the real world where you're disconnected from all that and you end up with, like, Ready Player One world? I think... It's going to happen. It, yeah, it, no, it, it, it's as long as it can become indistinguishable from reality, which it will be able to be. It's, it's going to take time, whether it's five years or 10 years. All right, we'll leave that there. They go on to discuss um, several other things. And one, one, one of the points that Joe makes, and then I want to kind of turn it over to you, see what you thought of that. Um, they talk, they do talk about the sophistication of it. And he makes the point that what if we're all plugged into this world? He's like, it's not the natural world. What happens when it's unplugged or collapsed or manipulated? You know, like, uh, it seems like he's just, you know, dipping his toes in, in, in the water here with the subject matter. Um, and I, again, I, I watched the nine minute clip, not the whole episode. I don't know if they talked about it the whole episode, but uh, what are your initial thoughts on that some of the stuff they were talking about well i would say i mean i think to a certain extent the linkage of the framing of this as the metaverse and the linking of it to facebook is very intentional i'm not saying just with joe rogan but the broader rollout of how it's discussed right. um because it's sort of testing the waters and you can sort of point to mark zuckerberg as like you know one of these you know evil interests, you know, in yeah, the storyline right. and the um, yeah. right. And then I think to a certain extent, what they're pushing initially, because you know, you sort of push full on and then you pull back is the difference between um, virtual reality and mixed or extended reality. So they're beta testing and, to kind of see what, how, where people will, how will people respond, right? Because it's all in the simulation. It's all feeding. They want to be like, are people you know, which demographic says this is cool. I want to embrace this. Like, 
I can't wait till the VR headsets get down to a good price point. So like our whole family can get one to people who are like, get into that in the clip too, by the way, anyway, sorry. Okay. Yeah. And so I think like the virtual reality is the most extreme, like here, put on this, you know, headset, which, you know, will not stay that big and bulky, right? Right. Like eventually, like, I mean, they've got contacts, they've got all kinds of other stuff, but, um, but the next level is the, which I think is way more dangerous is the mixed reality or extended reality where you're mixing physical, the, the real physical environment with internet of things, sensors and digital identity. So how would that and, look? Sorry to interrupt you, but I'm trying to help us uh, to people who are like new to this um, and even and even me, what would, how would that be pitched to us? If that makes sense, how would they integrate that into our daily lives? How do you see, how do how, how do you just kind of theorize that might happen? That mixed reality. So I mean, a lot of it is so. Let's see how to talk. I know about it's this. a tough um, one. Now, well, I mean, For it's me just anyway. like which, which part to start with. Right. Um, exactly. Essentially, you've got we're we're create what is being created are two worlds. Like one is a digital world, like a fully digital world, which kind of is what we're doing right now, like fully digital. Um, and then you have the the physical world that is increasingly being, um, having sensors integrated into it. And and at this point, you know, they, they have like nanoscale sensors, right? Like things that are invisible. So everything becomes a computing surface. Everything becomes a computing, like potentially com- like a computable and visible to the machine. Um, we're not totally there yet, but we're getting there. So, you know, at this point, people have a, a an unclear idea of what the metaverse is. Like the metaverse is really augmented reality and augmented reality is maybe the QR code with the smart lock at the store that eventually you're going to be able to go in or not go in, depending on what's in your digital wallet. Right. 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 Like that's the augmented reality world. Things. Right. Um, you know, like housing or, you know, whatever. Well, and I've even said, like, I, I wrote a blog post um, about Stanford medical schools developing smart toilets. And, you know, you hear a lot about now about, you know, uh, them finding, you know, sequences in the wastewater and all of these things. So like, clearly the plan is, and I, and I heard another guy who was uh, like the former head of Google China, and he was talking about jobs going away. And he's like, well, the plumbers will be around for a while because our, our plumbing is still different kinds of plumbing systems, but knowing in his head, like it's going to a unified plumbing system and it's going to unified plumbing system. So Stanford can have their smart toilets Right. <laughs> and, absolutely. and eventually the smart toilets will look for things in whatever your morning deposit and decide whether or not you're allowed to go out with your smart lock on your smart door. And, and that's like, not like you've got the Alexas, you've got the nests, you've got the ring doorbells, you've got the smart garage door openers, like we're, it's all being integrated. And so at some point, if you do not demonstrate compliance to whatever the dictates are, you know, right now we're really focused on biomedical data, you know, the bioinformatics. If your body is non-compliant, found to be non-compliant by the system, Hal, you know, you will not, your, your, your rights and privileges as a human being will be limited in the physical world. And then you can live in the VR world, but your rights and privileges outside are limited. Um, and that's the piece like where it's already happened. Like we're already, I mean, not the smart toilet integration yet, but 
the so QR code there in the background, the yeah. digital identity. I mean, I've been, I just posted last night a long um, discussion I had with Jason about what was like a pivot off of the, the greater reset thing, but into uh, digital education and blockchain credentials. And a huge piece of that, how are they gonna get people on the blockchain? Well, especially the younger generation, they're gonna get them through the education system. And so they're, they're, I mean, in this use case, this was a company, an organization called the Learning Economy Foundation. Uh, they're working with MIT and the World Bank and it's all the human capital finance piece, although they claim they don't know what they're doing. But like, I'm like you get paid to do this, you exactly. know, like work with go, go to, you know, the World Economic Forum. I'm not getting paid. I'm just reading your website about what you're doing. Yeah, and, exactly. you know, they had partnered with Lego, Lego and the MIT Media Lab and um, the World Bank and um, Learning Economy Foundation to it develop every aspect of our lives. You, yes, you know, down to the granular level, but but mobile game apps for learning, developing skills badges, and some of them were actually it was called like super skills, like dude, it wasn't even a good name, like the right. super skills well, game. I think that's you know what that metaverse <laughs> game was on um on Twitter. Uh, I you know I I of course you know just Snapchat. I didn't research it, but I'll yeah. bet you my bottom dollar that if I you know go back to it. And look into it it's going to be very much um in line with uh with what you're talking about yeah but they were pitching this digital it was and then you would have a digital identity on blockchain tied to your game right. which is not unlike you know that whole splinterlands thing but like your your digital identity is linked to that in the metaverse even though the metaverse just doesn't look that different it's a kid on a phone but they're saying like now you can have verifiable skills and this app, which was in beta testing, was targeted at children six to twelve. That's but one right. of the games said ages two to six. My, my, right? so my they gonna... nephew is in that game. Uh, game is in that age range. Sorry to interject there, but but Allison, like he's just totally adapting to all of this. And my brother-in-law, uh, you know, who I love dearly, but like you know, my father took us outside, and all the boys and the girls in the neighborhood played wiffle ball during the summer. Well, they sit inside and they game and they're um, they very sophisticated augmented reality gaming. Now I'm glad they're bonding together, but how my nephew has taken to this like a, a duck to water frightens me. Conversely, my brother and his girlfriend uh, are raising my other nephew um and slash godson just because i have to say that because i'm so proud um <laughs> they have him involved in sports and, and they, they don't force anything on him but they really again they're big they disagree on a lot of things but they're big on the natural on the natural world sorry for that little interjection there but no, it's, it's but... just grabbing our young uh and it's so they're like like Joe said in that clip, and you've made the point many times with the digital twinning and, and all that stuff, it's becoming indistinguishable. And it's touching, like, the affiliation with Lego, I didn't even know about that. You know what I mean? Lego like, is like the number one, one of the, the, the biggest funders of MIT Media Lab and has been since the beginning. And it's constructivist education, like they endowed like Seymour Papier, like his chair at MIT Media Lab. But the constructivist learning is to train the AI. Like right. Papier was on the one hand, early education, but if it's education to apply it to AI, 
Right. People aren't making that connection. And I think part of it is because it's supposed to be fun, right? It's right. a game. It's game enjoyable. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they, they hit your dopamine up. Like they want you to want it. Like right. they don't want you to, they don't want to drag you into the metaverse. They want you to walk into it and be like, oh, this feels pretty good here. I so, mean, that's, that's the, the war campaign. Do you think with the, you know, I was having a conversation with a young man um, the other night via text. I'm very good friends with his mother. Um, and, she, you know, she wanted me to talk to him about some of the stuff. And he's interested in economics. Long story short is um, he was asking about asking me about NFTs. And, um, I, you know, I don't know as much about them as I know about, you know, uh, crypto, other cryptos and the block, other blockchains and stuff like that. I don't, you, you've given me a little bit of information, uh, but he was saying that he believes, you know, he's like, I think it, it's going to be a choice. Um, you know, you're going to have a choice to participate or not. I don't know that I would call it a choice. Uh, one before we move on, um, if you could talk a little bit about NFTs and, and two, I think if I'm circling back and remembering correctly, still working my way through my coffee, but um, I'm waking <laughs> up, but um, you mentioned like, you know, kind of two worlds. Um, do you think that the, we already see a two tier society emerging with like the vaccinated versus unvaccinated, but I think it's going to be much bigger than that. Do you think that there's going to be uh, one world that exists that's the main society for people who participate in this and then another world where we're kind of do you have you ever read brave new world uh, i'm sure yeah. you mm-hmm. do, do you remember right. when the main character uh, i forget his name it doesn't matter um but he, he goes off to the savage reservations where yeah. you're supposedly free and the brave new world hasn't implemented its edicts on you right and instead of finding this freedom, he finds, you know, you know, um, violence and predation and exploitation, but he also finds Shakespeare and he goes back and he tries to, you know, um, he falls in love and feels real things. Like, do you see, do you see a two tier world opening up like that? And if so, what do you think it'll look like? I realize I just laid out a lot there, but I'm thinking about, about this a lot because he, he's talking about, this young man's talking about choice and I don't think it's going to be choice if it happens. I think they're going to they're going to lure the people in. This is just my feeling. Lure the people in that they can by making it as attractive as possible, especially with the young. And then, you know, the rest of us will just kind of not be able to participate in society. Uh, I, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Starting with the NFTs. Um. Well, so I started following, like looking into blockchain about, so 2017, so about, you know, five years ago. And my entry point was not through the finance crypto space, but through the idea of social capital, because I was following uh, these use cases. I, I can, I can still remember it. I was watching the world bank and new America had a four hour webinar on blockchain, (laughs) Wow. All the way and, back to 2017. Yeah, I thought it might have been like it might have been a 2016 webinar that I was watching in 2017. Wow. But so, and I knew New America was a problem. And about halfway through, there was this guy Sean Conway who was with this Trust Lab group, 
And um, they had started this uh, doing pilots on pre-K in South Africa, where you would have tokens for children to be reimbursed for every day of preschool. So if, if and, and they, it's, I mean, there were, there were, there are certain elements threaded through this because a lot of the pilots came through humanitarian and development aid. And so there was this underlying sort of like, you know, colonial racist mentality of like, oh, like to guard against misuse of funds, we're going to put everything on blockchain to make sure everything, all of the, you know, stuff gets to the right people, you know? Right. We, yeah. They, they, <laughs> they have those excuses for, yeah. Right. And so for pre-K, they were like, yeah. Right. Like, oh, well, it's too hard for you to like send the attendance numbers to get reimbursed. So now you have an app so that at the school, the preschool has has a digital identifier. The teachers have digital identifiers. The kids have digital identifiers. And when every child comes in, they, they track them on the app and they get reimbursed. But and that's an NFT like that is a, a token for a particular day and an event and a thing that's trackable to that kid in that school. And that is a mint. That is a token. It's right. not money. It's not, I mean, ultimately it's connected back to money, but really it is a legitimating token. And right. what they talked about in that was that they were, they pitched it as helping children build social capital in preschool. Scary term. Right. And so, and but this, so empowering to like be empowered by the blockchain to build your social capital by going to preschool. Right. But like it, they never talk about the metadata that's attached, which is like what Charles Hoskinson says, you know, like it's not just the thing. It's like, what time did you show up? Who did you show up with? Like, when did you go home? Like there's all of this metadata that enriches and fills out the digital twin. So that was like my frame to blockchain. So I always understood it as these tokens as transactional, like turning social relationships and in our interaction with the physical environment into a token that was passed around, not as like, oh, here's my portfolio of crypto and like, where did it go up and which coins and this, that's not the world. Like I was looking at that. I was working at looking at the Syrian refugees who were getting digital ID and retinal scans to pay for food. Um, and yeah, so that's the door I came in, which is a very different door than most people who are working in the blockchain space. Um, and then, and then I found out about the spatial web. So I guess the thing about NFTs is my friend, Jason, he often talks about like money, not just crypto, but any as like freedom tokens, they would be more aptly described as freedom tokens because ultimately financial value enables you to do things or have things. Um, but it's, it's, and it's all kind of a fiction. The story we tell, like I have this much in my pile, so I'm allowed to, you know, travel the world for two months or something, right. you know, like it's the things you can do with the money, not the money itself. Like you can right. have a ton of money and then like die with it and never have used it. Like what, what was that thing? So it's about experience. So if you understand the freedom tokens, you understand like NFTs and blockchain were cr created to advance capitalism into the digital world. Right. Next, period. Exactly. It was to track digital assets in the metaverse, in mixed reality, to allow ownership of property in a digital space, to create whole new markets of digital assets. Well, and sometimes digital assets are like things like uh, artwork, although a lot of I find really strange and unsettling. But yeah. then a lot of it is also these tokens that you mint by your behavior. So when I was looking into Splinterlands, um, uh, they were invested in by the blockchain founders fund, this guy. And just a few weeks ago, they had a new, you know, press release about their latest venture capital round, like $75 million. And, you know, they were talking about their investments they've added to their portfolio and Splinterlands was among them. And, 
I don't think it was the newest one. They'd held it for a bit, but then they added another, they were talking about other companies and one was called Health Hero. And so I'm like, hmm, well, I wonder what Health Hero is. And you're like, you click on Health Hero and it goes through and it's like, well, look, you can create an NFT that represents your well-being. Wow. Right. And yeah, I mean, you you've given your professional you. background, like can imagine what that is. And like, imagine if daily you're supposed to mint a well-being token, right? right. It's kind of like, like, like these schemes, like on the scant scale of like one to 10, how are you doing today? Like, what's your pain threshold? What's the, right. like, they want to know all this shit and it's not money. It's a token, but literally this health hero is like, oh, you've minted NFT and show us your wellness status. Right. Right. And how does this interface with this new mixed reality world? Or any privileges you have too. I see like, right. you know, um, social scoring, like, well, I imagine in my head, like, you know, the writer in me, like, looks at this information and, and it's like, um, and I took a bunch of pictures of an article and I wish I'd included them, but, you know, maybe I can edit it in. And I'll certainly send them to you. But it was, it's talking about like, you know, uh, emotional scoring and social scoring and like a basically part of your dashboard your profile is like how social are you with people um you know your happiness and engagement level uh and 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 things like that so when you when you just said that that's what it made me uh think of you know what i mean like you know they judge you and you get privileges based on a number of things that we've discussed a lot and wanted to touch on again but i hadn't heard yet that that was going to be attached to your socialization score. Yeah. I mean, and again, you I don't know? know if this is, I didn't spend enough time to look into health hero to find out like, is it being attached to people's insurance? Right, right. Is it being attached to like, you but know, in the you past. Know, makes your mind wonder, <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, in the past, um, you know, I've talked about like there were a number of teacher strikes. Um, the... I'm trying to remember it was maybe around 2017 the West Virginia like there were there was a wave of them I think there might have even been some in Texas but in West Virginia and like in even places that didn't really have unionized teachers maybe Oklahoma maybe it was Oklahoma mm -hmm. but there were the teacher strikes and one of the things that was like the straw that broke the camel's back for the teacher strikes is that the state of West Virginia which you know was led for years by Jay Rockefeller you know senator and governor Jay Rockefeller because wow. you think West Virginia right but I'm like Jay Rockefeller was there for like 40 years. Like he went over to Japan and then he came back to West Virginia as a Vista volunteer, right? Like, so, interesting. you know, yeah, yeah it's very interesting. And so like there, it, I mean, he's moved on since, but um, you know, that stuff is baked into West Virginia. You wonder like why West Virginia has a certain picture in your mind of what it is, but it, there's more going on. And that the state um, insurance policies for the state employees, including the teachers had changed so that they had to meet step counts and they had to, to jump through these hoops. And, and if they didn't, if they refused to participate in the program, the wellness program, they would get an extra like $600 tacked onto their health insurance at their own payment out of pocket, which for a teacher is a lot of money, you know, like every year. And some families have two teachers, right? And they're in the helping field. I can tell you that would crush me, you know? Yeah. Really so, weird. so this, and this is coming through the government. And so they rebelled and they're like, I have a video clip of one of the teachers talking about this, this setup with the, the step counts and things, but they said there were also intrusive surveys attached, including things like, you know, very personal items, like how much sex do you have and how vigorous is, wow. is it? <laughs> wow. right? 
And so like picture this with like surveillance tech and wearable technology. And there's nothing and they know. And, and I'm assuming all of this data, including that very intimate personal data, is it included in building your your second self? Wellness profile. Your, your wellness profile like all goes into your digital twin. You know, all of that data uh, is fed somewhere, right? I mean, like. Well, and they, I mean, right now it's sort of spread out, right? right. And that's. So, but what they want to make it more understandable for machine learning is to have it interoperable. Right. And that interoperability is where the digital ID hangs on because the digital ID and networks of digital IDs is what makes it make sense. What makes the, the, the disparate data tell a story. Because right. literally like the machine wants to know the story of you and you and you and you and you, and they want to get the range and breadth of human experience. Right. which is what is so treacherous within the social emotional space. And especially if it's being baked into human capital finance and potentially securitization of, you know, healthcare services, mental health services, once that's securitized, people can like short those debt products, you know, and like you could steer some people into depression, you know, insanity. <laughs> you can, Absolutely. you can steer some people into like happiness and euphoria, you, right. and you don't necessarily know if the world around you becomes a, uh, a fully sensing sensor-based environment, like your physical world too, like right. the vehicles, the, um, all the little, you know, the door locks, the door, oh, if, can you go in this door? I mean, there was a nosedive episode about that. You know, the guy's score drops low enough and he can't get in the door of his office anymore. And all, all of these things, you know, that I, may have seemed far out. That. Yeah, 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 they're piloting those things. I, I think, it, well, you were the one that were, told me in my own city about um, the, of course, then I'm going to forget the name. I have the, a journal. I had a journal with all of this stuff written down. I'm like, where is it? I, I think I left it at work. But um, the Austin My Pass, the Stackham and yeah. Housing, uh, with the QR codes, and it's like, you know, you need to do that to, uh, you know, get in each, participate in society in general. But certainly, like, you know, if you've been done something that the government or or whatever is running, maybe it's a decentralized autonomous organization at some point. That's our government. Uh, makes a decision that your QR code, you know, you're you're a threat. Your QR code won't work. Um, before I forget, like speaking of that, I was reading an article, and again, I'll attach this in in the notes because um, I can't bring it up here. I would have to search around for it. But it was talking about what well, was a thread in 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 Twitter and led to a link to a company. And they're talking about um, it's a, a professor that is into an epidemiologist uh, and an and then there's an engineer involved in there. I'll, I'll link all these people in there. But they're talking about Canada unleashing this this technology that will sense viruses uh, in the air in your area around the home, basically like. Um, monitoring your local environment right down to like your neighborhood living space your office i mean just i'm guessing although it didn't it didn't say this i didn't go as far as to see it um but they intimated and i think they were getting there that you know they could then determine those areas to be hot spots uh or where people need to quarantine for their you know safety 
it's just it's it's all of this stuff is just I see it's emerging so quickly. Um, I think back to your. But it's a oh, slow boil. It's been building. It had it it has been okay. So yeah, you're right. It's a slow boil, and now it's like. It maybe it's it's just feeling like it's moving quickly, but I digress. That's why this is called sometimes uh, this podcast unscripted because I script, but I super. If anybody has ADD, I do. But I want to circle back real quick and ask you a question before we go any further. You big into the education space. That's how you got into this research, right? You started with education. Um, I'm you, not a federal agent. <laughs> you're not. You, you, what, I, what I described in the intro, which I think you'll appreciate, but if I'm off base, let me know and I can edit it, is that, you know, you started um, this voyage, this journey, um, addressing a, a problem in the educational system in Philadelphia. And through your research ongoing, and of course, I'm giving the Reader's Digest version here, you information began to pile on information you followed the chain of evidence and you know whether you loved it or not you didn't suspect it would take you in certain directions but a picture started to emerge that took you all the way to like you know the commanding heights sort of of like where all this is coming down from um do you think that the education space because you know i mean with schools it's like we're homeschooling we're back in school it's i i don't they're pivoting so much. Do you, do you think the education space is going to be the only space in which they try to, or the most vigorously try to um, indoctrinate and inculcate this in our kids and our youth, or is there going to be other conduits that are just as effective? Well, I mean, my, my sense is, like people ask who that they are for me and like right. from the financial investment side of things I can point to and I can say look at the the impact management project and this these global like it's channeling global capital through these uh, you know debt security project products tied to all sorts of what used to be and will likely be privatized public services you know whether that's education healthcare mental health housing food assistance all of these things um, that are in the in the are pivoting really from governments into these public private partnerships that will open the door to a lot of things that like are embraced by the libertarians really but the libertarians actually need the government to provide some structure so they can get in there and get the stuff yeah, you know it's unfortunately that's, you know and that's the challenge yeah uh, anyway go with ahead. the blockchain is you've got like a lot of libertarians who are like that we're just get the government out and then i'm like no actually it's this wedded it's this wedded partnership between the government creating the access points and then the the austerity opening the door to private investors to then get at the people and and it, they're complicit on both sides yeah. um so where so so i don't the challenge is is like what is this like beyond the money which it's clearly about money and power like it's about engineering society controlling society my contention is going back through, through domination principles, but through economics. And we, we can't get past the fact that the structures that are building this came out of Silicon Valley. And before Silicon Valley, the Boston venture capital post-World War II, like cybernetic militarization of you know technology center, right? Like Boston and Silicon Valley, 
you know, an Urbana champagne, like there's bits in between, but like we birthed a lot of this. You can't like go point fingers at everybody else. This is homegrown domination. Yes. So now we're, we're channeling the capital. But as we do that, there's the data being collected and there's this network to data through blockchain. Now, I just finished looking at a paper yesterday by this woman, Melanie Swan, who was really unsettling. And if you look at Melanie Swan, like blockchain futures, she has her own website. She has many publications with links, which is useful. It's not hidden, but she was actually <clears throat> presenting a paper where they were discussing nanomachines um, in the brain. So neuro nanomachines that would um, manage your brain as circuits in hive mind consciousness. Okay, so that is their goal. And like, I know a lot, I, I'm getting more and more familiar with the contours of how this works. Right. But you know, they're ta using about, talking about building DNA and various things to build these nanomachines, to create these functions, to essentially run people as bioelectronic computing devices, right? right? And they, they wanna sell it as like, oh, we can be superhuman, right? We can right. be more like, than human, we can- You said a while ago, interoperable <laughs> systems. Right. We can be part of this big electronic network, but fundamentally my frame is that it came out of the war machine. Oh, so like absolutely. Yeah. very carefully about putting our brain in the war machine, right? Like uh, it's, it's highly cautious <laughs> of that. Yes. I have some serious reservations about that actually. <laughs> I know. Right. But people don't know the history. They don't really, or they maybe like, no, Oh, the internet was created by the military, but Oh, well, like go back to the thing. I'm like, no, it's fundamentally, fundamentally a military campaign. <clears throat> so they want the essence of what it is to be human. I think, I, I feel, and I, I align with John Trudell's work where he says there's a predator energy. Like, and however you want to imagine that predator energy, yes. like from the position of your faith practice or your political economy worldview or whatever, but there is something massive that is trying to, I feel, use these technological systems to aggregate enough data, not just on people, on all living things. On, on the natural world. Yeah. on the natural world and to jailbreak the code of life and to become the master coder of the universe. Like there is some presence. Is this one particular person? No. Is it one particular organization? No. Is it one country? No. But there is a, a longstanding thing that is coming, you know, after us. And it may sound crazy, but like, yeah. I don't think, I think it's beyond any one small group to have planned this out. Right. right. And they're going to do it through understanding the ins and outs of our biological processes. They're going to understand us as a biochemical, you know, bioelectric being. And that's so the health sector is central and that's electronic health records right. and neuro nanobots, you know, and a lot of this is aligned with, um, you know, extended aging and all of it, it's framed, although they never fix anything, right? They never fix cancer. They right. never fix Alzheimer's. They don't fix these things, but they figure out how to use their dual use nano robotics. So, right. so it's the health records and then it's the education records. So, and within the education space, now you see so much of the push for, um, you know, they'll say, it's not about what you know, because, oh, in the future, the AI will just tell you whatever you need to know, right? Like, and it'll be moving so fast, you'll never know the things. But we, 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 what we really want to know is how you think or how you feel. And so, and I agree, there are huge problems in the educational system now that is mining children for social emotional learning data. Absolutely. And yes, this is a human capital market. And yes, they can use technologies to adjust and nudge and shift people's characters in ways that they may not even be aware of. Um, but and collect all of that data because they want the emotional contour too. 
They want, you know, they want to know your biological chemical processes and they want to know your emotional processes and, and they want to meld them. They, they want, there's, there's no part or piece of us that they don't want to mimic and understand and have access to. Yeah. I think they want all the data. Yeah. And so some of that, I think the education in the healthcare space. And when I first started looking, doing my research, um, there was an organization called, uh, oh gosh, InnoCite Institute. Um, Clayton Christensen, who is a Harvard uh, business school professor, he's now passed, uh, but he was known throughout the 90s and early 2000s as like the disruptor. So when you hear about disruptive technologies, like it came to Clayton Christensen, he was the disruptor. So that's where that term kind of- Right, like he was the disruptor who brought that into the public understanding. And his institute, um, the InnoCite Institute um, and the Clayton Christensen, I think it had two names um, and it continues since his death, but their focus at the time was education disruption and healthcare disruption. Now I was only focused on the education side. I was talking to my friend last night and I'm like, we just had like the one leg of the elephant. Like we, and, and, but, but that leg gave me the understanding of how the machine worked that I can then apply the strategies to all the other legs, right? Like right. once I knew the education, like I knew how it was going to play with the medical complex. Medical side. It, so between you know, those two massive institutions, they've, that's how those are two, I mean, you really can get the full, almost the full picture there. It is, but the other piece is e-government. And that's the other thing that Texas and is working. I'm gonna be honest, that one that's the one that scares me the most. And and the fact that I'm in the I'm literally, I mean, I laugh, but it's it's terrifying. I'm in the epicenter of it here in Austin, Texas. Yes, you are. In the absolute and and, and people, you know, um, especially the some of I mean, a couple of my native Austinite friends are well aware of that. Um, but you know. A lot of people, even when I moved here, you know, keep Austin weird. Austin's this, you know, you know, totally free space. Uh, and in the background, what what's going on was this, you know, has been for this uh, long, long time is the development of everything we're talking about, this militarized virtual uh just the everything I've got a list here like like all of it the whole package the conference that Ted Cruz was in like Ted Cruz you know the freedom loving you know center protect the, the rights and and yet he's attending conferences on blockchain which is e-government um and you know sorry to ramble but 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 for a second I think I linked e-government to d the digital autonomous organizations in in a way um maybe I'm misunderstanding it but e-government can you talk a little about that? I mean, we, you can get into the ten digital nations if you if you want, but um, what's that? What's that look like? And uh, how? There's a lot of nuts and bolts and moving parts, like you said in your Tucson talk. You know, I remember that specifically. You were very clear that there's a lot of moving pieces here, and you're not saying that this necessarily is going to be successful, but it's where they want it to go. Right. Um, what does e-government look like? And what are like the, the biggest dangers with that? Because they call it de demogra uh, the, the most democratic form, right? You'll have this right. algorithm that'll be equitable and everything else, which sounds so great, but <laughs> it's not. Can you, and not, not from what I understand of it, can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah. Um, well, I, I wish I could remember the guy's name, but again, earlier on, like a number of years back, looking at the blockchain, looking at e-government, there was a professor, I believe he was from MIT. He had like a TED talk in Vancouver and he was talking about a future of radical democracy, right? Like radical democracy. Um, and that everything would be voted on by everybody, but it couldn't possibly happen. So you would have an AI agent that would just know you and then it would vote for you how you would vote. So basically right? like an elector, <laughs> an elector, that that is uh, sentient AI. Yeah, yeah. Like you would have your digital twin, and your digital twin would know you, and that there would be this governmental system that would, I'm surely, be run on blockchain with tokens. You know, like how all all of these, like that. I mean, that the the blockchain space with the governance tokens is already setting all of that up, like within their own it's, organization. It's happening publicly too, and we can we can circle back to that. But the fact that people aren't seeing that blows my mind but anyway go ahead so yeah so I mean that was my first like you know when you see these talks you're like oh wow well that's unusual and again you know picture this is five years ago right, right. and like our, nobody really knows what blockchain is and nobody knows right. and I'm like hmm this is troubling and um and if you understand all of this is like it this predator energy trying to learn how humans work and society works and ecosystems work, right? Like there's macro, there's various levels from like the, I want to know how your microbiome works you know, to, and your brain neurons. So I know, I know how your know body, how you food. <laughs> yeah, you're like your family, your neighbor, it just keeps going out. And so it's, it's, they're building these neural networks. They want to know. And so the e-government piece, I think, is what will link you and your communities. It, it's like the next macro level. And that's linked in with the smart cities, um, you know, all the smart city sensor networks and, you know, the build back better and a lot of the sustainability impact investing, which will be linked to, you know, carbon offsets and water control and, you know, industrial, new forms of industrial agriculture and, and all of, all of, all of that. So, um, so the e-government will like, I mean, it's coming in a lot of different ways, right? So I think, I don't know if it's, if it is ID me and maybe you might be able to tell me, but I know many states, like a majority of states around the country, when people needed to file for unemployment, they had to go through a screening company. And I think it was called ID me to access their benefits. And, and they want to make it really easy. Like, look, you can do it on the phone now or whatever. And it was the same company, but it was linked to your, public benefit systems. Um, and so you know, if you want to file for unemployment, you have to go through this ID.me. Like I company. did not, but no, I still use the traditional way, but that doesn't mean like when I first, when I got laid off um, mm -hmm. in 2020, and you know, I still remember the day, October 9th, uh, it, it still seemed like the old um, system, but throughout my time uh, of collecting the 26 weeks of benefits, I was getting emails about up, upgrades in this system and like tutorials and webinars. Um, I didn't look too much into it because I didn't, you know, I just wasn't, I, I wanted to get off unemployment and figure out yeah. the situation. Yeah. But, um, but I was constant and I was getting calls from uh, you know, a guy who was pretty nice, but like, you know, attend this class on, you know, um, these new systems and trainings mm -hmm. made me thought, uh, you know, after you and I talked last February, uh, 
I was really in earnest getting notification about these new training spaces in coding and technology and how they would, the tech, the TWC, the Texas Workforce Commission would pay for it. So that's what I. Yeah. Yeah. So, because that's going to be these pathways, right? Like they'll want to reskill people into the fourth industrial revolution. You lock people down, you close out in the old industries, you know, the legacy stuff you just don't want to have. And then you put them in like, okay, what are your choices? Coding, synthetic biology, or alternative energy? Which one do you want to pick? Right. Right. Uh, Because everything else is is off the, off the books. And um, so. They offered to pay for all that stuff, by the way. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then eventually I think it's going to link into income sharing agreements and things. So like, you'll be compelled if you want to access benefits, you have to do like a welfare to work or, you know, transition program. My concern is that then those programs will be linked to some sort of a debt finance thing, like not immediate payout because people won't have it, but they'll like set up these garnished wages. And that ultimately, I mean, none of these companies are looking for stable workforces anymore, right? Like they just want turnover and they want to grind people down until they can throw them away. And I mean, that's my frustration, like with this, this guy with learning economy foundation, like the people who are setting up these systems, like these blockchain wallet skills systems are telling themselves a story that the system cares about poor people. Like the system cares about people getting a fulfilling job that will, you know, meet their needs. Real quick, and that's you said bullshit. That, that, that was the learning, econ- learning, what was it called? Economy learning? Foundation, the Learning Economy Foundation. Yeah, they're work- the ones working with the World Bank and blockchain credentialing. Sorry, sorry um, to interrupt your flow though. Keep going. I just want to- No, that's okay. I mean, it's. I would encourage people to look it up. I mean, yes. but- Again, you know, I'm saying the people who are running these systems, I mean, I have a certain amount of empathy for them because they're one of hundreds of entities, right, that are just carrying water for this larger agenda in their the way they've been tasked to do it, right? And and so probably if this person speaks out against it and either leaves their job or gets laid off, like they'll just replace them with another person. So like I understand, but at the same time, that's how like that's how the horror proceeds well, is because you tell yourself a story about what you're doing that is disconnected from any historical context, any understanding of how power systems are actually working. Well, and it enables no you to get up and reality. do your job. Yeah. But it doesn't change the world. Right. And I mean, I guess like I mean, there aren't many of us who are enough outside the system to say like, hey, the world needs to change. Like, hey, having a digital blockchain wallet with a, you know, skills tokens that the AI is sorting you out to which warehouse, like warehouse job you work at through your haptic robot isn't the future we want. We don't want it. I don't want that future. I don't want it. The future for the three-year-old coming up behind us. We shouldn't do that. Um, so Anyway, so that's sort of where, where I'm at. So the, the other piece of e-government, so it's it's benefits assistance, it's the digital driver's licenses, which I can't remember if Texas has a digital driver's license bill, I like Oklahoma. Not heard of that okay, so we can and back Again, here. right now it's pitched as optional, like, oh, look, you can just have your driver's license on your phone. Isn't this nice and convenient, right? But then you have to have your phone with you wherever you are, and then it's right. your tracking device. And knowing me, my battery always runs dead on me because... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So yeah, they're um, digitalizing that, right? And so. that, that company is called Idemia that's doing a lot of it. And it's a French company. And if you look up Idemia, I mean, I think I'm trying to remember if it's connected to Dassault. Um, it's French. They pitch their, their product as augmented identity. Really? 
Yeah. I mean, they wow. just say it straight out. I mean, this was like two or three years ago. This is pre-pandemic that I was looking into Idemia. And now they're, they're controlling all of the access security points at the airports. So all the kiosks that I've seen recently when I've traveled over the past year, they're now all Idemia labeled, like when you check in with your like ticket. Zero way to, I mean, I know it's all running in the background um, and it's invisible to a point, but it's like, it's, it seems inescapable, you know? Um, you know, in the MyPass, you know, in Austin, that's for low-income people. And their pitch for MyPass right. was for the that that they would be like, oh, well, it's so convenient because you can get your medical records. So when you have to come back to the emergency room or whatever, it'll all be in one place and how convenient. Um, but that's a blockchain identity. And that's part of Identity 2020. And it's not even high tech. Like, I think certain people are like, well, that can't happen because this is a poor area or this is a rural area or why would they come here? And I'm like, no, they're they're doing it everywhere. Like, and they don't need, they're not necessarily even the people in that program. They weren't necessarily given phones. They were given a laminated QR code. Right. Like that's your life reduced to a QR code. Right. Here you go. Yep. Um, so it doesn't have to necessarily look high tech. Exactly. To, to still be part of the agenda moving, moving forward. You know, yeah. I mean, when, when I think e-government, um, I think you had mentioned in one of your videos and, and it was, you know, kind of had a laugh about it. Cause you're like, you know, nobody would thank Estonia. Um, but, uh, and I think I have that country, right? Like one of the, is that the country that it's basically their government has gone completely e-government. Yeah. Or, yeah. or as, as close to completely as you, as you can imagine, um, of the 10. And I think you know, I'm trying to remember their president or prime minister actually like grew up in Northern New Jersey for quite some time. And I believe maybe went to Wharton. Like, so these things course, are never- Wharton, Everything seems to come back to like Wharton <laughs> Business School. And I'm like, I know, right? um, I'm telling you, <laughs> ever since I started following your research- You go to UT oh Austin God. too. <laughs> right down the street. Yeah, like I said, I'm in the epicenter of it. So there's, a, there's a, several things that I wanna to touch on with all this because it all ties together. But one thing in the intro that I did before um, you hopped on is I said that, um, you know, when I was first looking into your work, um, and, and I already linked to your website, but for anybody uh, that wants to hear it again, and I'll put it in the descriptions, wrenchinthegears.com, which I really love that name, by the way. Um, I lost my train of thought there. I was looking into... Um, yeah, or... Help me out. Back up. Estonia, Estonia, uh, and my work. Um, of course, I lost my train of thought. Oh, the people involved. The 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 people involved. What I called uh, in the in the intro, um, I was talking about the the individuals involved in all of this. In other words, you know, a company in Israel. Um, being responsible for um, the opening strategy for Rhode Island, if I'm getting that right, or, you know, how, how, in other words, so we have, we have this predator energy or whatever running in the background, we have the corporations, we have all that. And then what I've decided to call kind of the administrators or the proxies, uh, you know, the Michael Bloomberg's, the um, Pritzker's, the Russell Crowe's, the, um, and I always mispronounce his name, the Dr. Giordano or out of Georgetown with the bio. Oh, Cohen. <laughs> uh, yeah, all, all of that. So 
uh, I wanted to kind of talk a, a little bit about, you know, you know, we know about Oracle. Um, that's a, all, of the, all of these Salesforce, they're all uh, tied, tied together. Uh, and we can, I mean, that's a discussion, I guess, for another time. But these people, Pritzker, the governor of Illinois, these people that are right, that are, you know, seem to people to be in rather innocuous, oh, that's just a corrupt politician, you know, or, you know, that's just another person. They're, they're really the administrators of this. Like, I did not know before, you know, looking into your research and then really taking, you know, taking off with it about Michael Bloomberg's history, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and so electrical engineering and like his role in, in that. So addiction, yeah, data so, analytics. Crazy, right? So like when people think Bloomberg and I'm talking about me prior to this, I'm thinking Bloomberg magazine, uh, news, Bloomberg for a gov uh, mayor of New York City, rich guy, you know, like, uh, yeah. and not, not much else. Like I think the average person but he's actually, you know, there's the power behind all this, but he's a, I call him a key administrator, you know? So can we talk for a second about some of the, just a couple, and again, all of this is so big, but as best as we can, some of the, some of the players involved that show up in our day-to-day -day lives, like the Judith Roden, I saw she, you know, she was on like a morning show and the anchor was just over the moon about her new book during the pandemic. It's like, you know, this, this book is um, my, you know, like my Bible. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know. Uh, but they show up in our everyday lives and people have no idea that they're involved in some of this stuff and what they're connected right. to. Well, I mean, I, I used to make those big maps I with little remember. sis until yeah. they kicked me off. Kicked and that was really helpful because like the process those of amazing. adding all of the data, like it cemented in my mind yeah. a lot of these relationships. And I can still go back and like piece things together, but I it took was- some screenshots as many as I could, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I, I someone saved all the images, but I have to index them because they were like 300. And so I just, it's like, I haven't- <laughs> like have many projects that the I have mapping was amazing really yeah was. and but that was my education and the thing is when people say like yesterday I was having this exchange with the learning economy guy and I was sharing him all of these information like short clip and you know me on Twitter like I create all of these like two minute clips I mean I also create five hour videos but there's a lot of content in two minutes and I he said, oh, well, I don't understand any of the, like, how is this related to anything I'm doing? And I'm like, no, you're paid to do this. <laughs> like, you should understand. I'm not sending you random clips. Like I'm sending you clips about XAPI technology and badging. I'm sending you clips about securitization of income sharing agreements. I'm sending you clips about securitization of social impact bonds. I'm sending you clips about, um, you know, Charles Hoskinson saying that they're going to put blockchain all the Ethiopian children and decide who's worthy of having a job. Like the these Dar are all Charles like Hoskins. Um, uh, yeah. Hoskinson with Cardano. And like, these are all two minute things. Like I've essentially like offered you a course, yeah. you know, like in this, and then you have to actually own it. Like you have to do the work to watch it and synthesize it. I'm not sending you random distractionary things. These are all relevant. This is all the context that you are operating outside of. And I think I, and I understand for, you know, personal reasons, 
because there's too much cognitive dissonance, not just for this particular person, but for many people running this machine, you have to break it up and compartmentalize or you can't do the work. Right. Right. And so, you know, that's just how it is. If you want to know, you can know. Right. But I can't, if you don't, if, if what you're trying to do is to say, um, just discredit, like, and say, that's not me. I'm not doing that thing. I'm like, no, you have to know the whole context because you're a piece here that fits in this much bigger puzzle. But if you don't know where you're situated, you just do your thing. And your thing is integral to the, how the whole puzzle like comes together, but you have to actually be willing and strong enough to look at it. And it's not pretty. And it goes back, not just to today. It's like this, you know, 400 plus years of domination, you know, on turtle Island, like that's the, the reckoning. Um, and there's not, for whatever reason, there's just not that many people who, who are administering it, who are capable. You, and, you know, and I don't know how to get around that. Cause like, clearly I'm not like the soft touch, like Jason, I play good cop, bad cop. <laughs> like, I'm not, and and <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I'm not either. You know, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I try to, I get, I try, I try to explain as best as I can, you know, for example, this, um, this summer, I was I was talking with um, I, I think I, I told you this. I was I was talking with my mother, who's one of the smartest people I know, um, and uh, we were waiting for a doctor's appointment for her knee. So I drove, and um, essentially, I was trying to explain the where we're headed with this digital world, and then how it links into energy usage. Now, mm-hmm. where's that energy going to come from? Right. And, um, you know, as far as the electrical cars, I'm like, you know, you're, you know, if you're given an allowance, how do you earn more tokens or whatever it is to get more energy? And like, I was talking about haptic clothing Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And my, and initially, because, you know, these people don't think like we do. My mom is a brilliant person, but she's, of course, you know, she was in nursing, she's empathetic, she's compassionate. So she's like, you know, she's no, nobody's fool. But she's like, I just can't understand how people can be that evil. She knows they can. But it's hard to accept, because it just is like, it's like that level of exploitation, you know. Um, And as far as the haptic clothing, like, I, I think at that moment, it was a reach for her. And then I don't remember where she caught it, but um, she heard she heard about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we didn't have like a long drawn out conversation about it because but she mentioned that she'd heard about it. And she was just like, wow, like, like this is a, a, a real thing. Like, what's the timeline on this? And I, I, I don't I don't know, you know, but I. I know that it's 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 coming down the it's coming down the pike and and again in that in that video, that short little clip we didn't watch the whole thing because uh, you know there's so much to talk about and anybody can just go look it up, um, but they touch on haptic clothing as well. Now, they don't link it to like you having to generate your own energy and stuff like that, like in order to yeah. participate in society, but the fact uh, and and people get after me and have teased me like literally this week about like, they're like, oh, you know, you, you, there's facts are one thing, facts that people don't want to see are one thing, being conspiratorial is another. I'm like, I'm just gaming this out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why now? Why, why now is it, is it, is it suddenly um, hitting major platforms? 
and people that wouldn't have touched this with a 2000 foot pole or been interested uh, or even believed it was a thing are having deep thoughtful conversations about it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not saying, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just, it makes me, makes me wonder how close we are to a big pivot. Uh, an event that will be, you know, the next rung on the ladder to like, here's the solution. And how many people are talking about augmented reality and digital identity in the government? Like not well, many, not I don't many. know anybody. Or, or, or how like, many people are talking about what, what we have talked about, what, uh, you know, about the exploitation of, um, of poor people, you know what I mean? In Central and South America via some yeah. of these, some of these, um, uh, programs, you know, I have thought, and I don't know this, just to be clear, this is complete and total, like, just guessing on my part, but I do wonder with, you know, the, them, the, the crossing over of, 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 uh, of the migration, the displacement, people coming into the country, and, uh, you know, they distract us with all this, you know, political stuff about what's what, but I'm like, what are they doing with these individuals, are they piloting them on, in programs? Are they, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I do wonder, cause it's like, if you're predatory and you're looking for a population that, you know, is just looking for a better life and has traveled all this way and has been incentivized, well, they're going to, you know, participate in whatever program, like the stack them and pack them housing or the, you know, I, I, I'm just left to wonder, it's like, what are- with Well, dispossessed people are our fuel for impact markets. Absolutely. Like, like moving people out of their homelands where they're stable and they have access to their own culture and their own right. foodways and their own stuff. And then removing them, whether through, you know, uh, war, you know, direct war, economic war, you know, drug war, all of that stuff. Like those, those dislocated the people are, are a commodity ago. for these monsters. Like- right. Yeah, they planted the seeds for these decades, uh, these things decades ago. Um, English as a second language when so pay for success finance was put into the revision of the national education legislation, the Every Student Succeeds Act that was passed, I think, in 2015 on the heels of the, the Workforce Innovation and Opportunities Act that Obama passed, which was these planned career pathways. Pay for success finance was put into the ESSA. And then the, so among the first two I think funded pro pilot programs under that were one was job training, like jobs for the future training, and then one was English as a second language. And so I'm, I'm, I feel very strongly too that the English as a second language piece has a machine learning component. Like I think if you understand that all of the e-learning, all of the digital learning, because they're pushing that because they need data with fidelity to, to feed the deals. They're not just having small groups with teachers and having social interactions. It's putting kids on programs, AI language learning programs. Right. Um, I think that there's something in those kids in the language acquisition that is teaching the system. And the next big hurdle for the next phase of globalization, the globalization 4.0 that um, Richard Baldwin talks about is telepresence, teleporting, telepresence work, right? So where the, the inexpensive Polish accountant ports into Manhattan to work for the day at you know a fifth of the cost of a New York accountant. Uh, Richard, and that's what was his what was Baldwin. His Baldwin, okay. Yeah, he said that, 
I don't know if the Geneva Institute, he's in Switzerland. I mean, I think he's probably American, but he, he has a, a talk called about globalization 4.0, Richard Baldwin, it will come up. Um, and yeah, so this teleporting work, um, but the step that they need, they're developing the telepresence. So they're developing the remote robotics right. and um, these avatars, whether you need a physical interaction or just a visual engagement. But the other thing is they need immediate language translation. Right. right. Because they're not, they don't need to, they don't, when they're bidding out the day's work, they don't want to ha have the people have to necessarily know the language of the country they're porting into. Right. And so that's all going to be immediate translation services. And so I think there's a part of me that feels like the English as a second language is also a learning opportunity for the machines as the kids learn the Absolutely. language online, yeah. it's feeding the machine systems. And like clearly, you know, probably Spanish is one of the main ones. But before, before I move on to my, my next like uh, item here, how close do you think, and this is a tough one. This is, this is, I mean, just to take a stab at it. Um, I, I feel like, and again, this is based only on a gut feeling. So yes, research, but nothing, hard and fast in terms of data that I can like just put out there right now. My feeling is that um, they're very close. Not to making it all work, but to yeah. but to complete the digital to the to to have the ability to um, create those avatars and make it indistinguishable from uh, reality in a way like um, I, I think that we're right around the corner from that. And when I say right around the corner, I don't mean like, you know, March, but I, I this decade. In the decade, yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I, I really do. I, I was just wondering if, um, if what you thought the timeline might be on that. Well, so, you know, I keep directing people to the Japan moonshot Yes, Japan uh, science and I technology moonshot project, right? And, yeah. and, and goal one is that we will live outside of this physical mind and body and time and space by 2050. Like that's their goal. It's the government of Japan. Like it's Nippon Telegraph and Telephone is SoftBank. It's not small money. Uh, um, and the U.S. is embedded in that. So the National Science say. Foundation is part of it. The Department of Energy is part of it. And yesterday or two days ago, I was watching... Um, you know, you can, if they have a YouTube channel and a lot of the, 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 the videos are in Japanese, but there are several international conferences that are mostly in English playlists. And these are within, these are at least as of 2020. So the last year or two. Um, and one of the presentations was from a guy with XPRIZE, which is Peter Diamandis at Singular, and he's the founder of Singularity University. And so their, their XPRIZE was $10 million to develop telepresence avatars. And they were doing it in partnership with um, All Nippon Airlines, which is an interesting partner. So the air, airline companies are realizing that you're not actually physically going anywhere anymore. Like you're, you're just getting in the haptic suit. Like that's the future. Right. And so that prize, I think, was launched in 2018. And now they have like finalists as of last year. So they're getting there, like remote, the remote tele-existence. Tele and but yeah, the U.S. is totally. It's not like oh, the metaverse is just in Japan. That's I mean, right. I was going to say the, the moonshot <laughs> thing. You know, I, I after watching your talk in, in Tucson, I, um, I, I, you know, you you embedded the Google links to the to the 
you know, slides, which everybody mm-hmm. should check out. I encourage people to, cause you put it out there in such a palatable way. And then, like you said, it's up to you to do the work to like, look at further, it, look at it and do the further research, uh, but uh, you couldn't have made it easier to get it started. But I'm looking, I was looking at Moonshot and I was like, there's, there's manifestations of this project everywhere. You know, uh, everywhere this is not uh, this is not just limited to japan like i think like this there's there's unmistakable evidence that establishes the fact that this is what they envision yeah well so in in this talk the guy and he he's a an american guy Mm -hmm. um he had a slide that was sort of speculating on what one of these haptic things might look like and it, it was almost like it had the VR goggles and it had the arms like with sort of an exoskeleton thing. And then it was almost like he was in a recliner. So like his legs were in a tub or something. I don't know. But then next to it was that robot. And, you know, this was the image that he, he, he put forth and what it reminded me of. So, um, I don't know, sometime last year, I found out about a company called Sarcos, S-A-R-C-O-S. And it was, a spinoff of the University of Utah. So like there's a ton and ton of this stuff that's tied to Salt Lake City and it was funded with DARPA money. And then eventually I think it went over to Lockheed. And so what they were building were exoskeletons. Well, that's quite- The military. Right, right. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) And so they would have these exoskeletons where like for the military, of course, they would also say like, hey, you can still be 65 years old and work in an Amazon warehouse because like you can pick up the 80 pound package because right. only for like 10 pounds. Well, and that's right. going to be the right. Video, right? And so yeah. you're like sandwiched. And right now it's very clunky, this, this exoskeleton. It's like, you know, like it's chunky. But you know, with the nanomaterials, well, I think materials, it'll soon be as like, as close. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's where it's going. And then the other thing is Sarkos had its own independent humanoid robots. And so in one of these transhumanist, um, discussions, and I have like links to this on my website, they, at Duke University, so they were talking about modeling um, neuronal activity in the brain and projecting it into robots. And so That's they, at, at Duke Medical School, they had a monkey with like a brain implant. It wasn't like a neuro, a nano level. It was something more chunkier, but it was like they had this brain so they could look in the brain of the monkey. And then they put markers on the monkey's legs, the hip bone, the knee bone, and the ankle bone. And then they put it on a uh, treadmill, like, you know, slowly, just that it, they taught it to walk upright and then they put it on the treadmill with the brain thing and the markers on the legs. And then the computer modeled the prediction of where the leg would be, like how it would move and where it would fall. And they used that electrical signal and projected it to a Sarcos robot at the University of Kyoto in Japan, halfway around the world. And they, they're like, oh, at first, like we had to kind of train it and then it got good enough. It could just be on its own, like, like it could just walk. So the monkey in Durham, North Carolina was walking the robot in Kyoto. And like I said, this is already like, these are things that are publicly available on the internet. I have no special access. Like I just spend the time to listen to these webinars and pull two minute clips and put it out. And I'm saying, if Richard Baldwin is talking about that the future is tele-existence labor, if we know that Melanie Swan is talking about like nanoneural robots, you know, and this technology, if we know that like your blockchain identity is tied to the metaverse and the stuff like what is to say that that's like how far off is that now again it may not be scalable but 
at some point we have to say, are we going to live in mixed reality? Do we understand that mixed reality is an imperial project? Period. It's a war on natural life. Yes. And so either we take the road of, well, we're just going to do that or we're not. And, And I think that's the frustration that I've had with some of these exchanges around child digital labor with Derek is that right. like you can't like he's trying to find some third path through it like the here's or the thing that's yeah. a good thing or like and I'm like no we actually have to get very clear because these are the these are the realities of what is being built out by the most powerful people in the world by the people with the most powerful militaries and if we're operating out with 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 intent like no, either no recognition of what's actually happening or intentional ignorance because we don't want to know, then we're not actually going to come up with the right strategies, in my opinion. No, I, I agree with you completely. And I, I told you about um, a friend of mine's good friend uh, who, you know, majored in economics and always, you know, last year it was the WISE token, pushing the WISE token, you know, by the release of the, uh, in in, in December, you know, got to do the WISE. And I've always been very um, skeptical of them because, especially after, you know, coming onto your research and really then taking it uh, in my own direction, like taking what the tools that you put out there, like you said, and then taking continuing to follow because mm-hmm. it, it's just a trail of all these partnerships. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, so there's two possibilities. One, Lucas doesn't know that there's the possibility that blockchain technology can be used for nefarious purposes. And given how brilliant he is, I find that uh, I'm going to be blunt thoroughly implausible so that's option one he's he just doesn't know i find that implausible or he's just not including that in his pitch when he talks about it saying hey you know like uh, i put I, I i'm now passing on my way to work and i don't know if they have these in philly anywhere they probably do but you, you know who knows you can tell me uh there's a few of them now but one on 35 as you go right downtown, as I'm going south on the left-hand side, every night at 10.30 p.m. when I'm headed into my part-time job, you know, four nights a week, uh, I see the sign and it says, uh, crypto is a silent revolution right under your nose. And I'm like, thinking to myself, if there's billboards, a rev- <laughs> okay, <laughs> this- Revolutionary billboards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it, how do how do people not put two and two together? That that if there was a revolution and it was, that wouldn't be there. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, it's there because it's allowed to be there. This is a powerful edifice. The, the edifice of power above us. Um, this idea that they, you know, they. To me, I, I tell people, you know, like if this government didn't want drugs here they could do something about it. You know what I'm saying? Like if they if they weren't interested in filling their prisons with, you know, people that they got hopelessly addicted to drugs, they could they could mitigate that somehow. If they they there's no silent revolution going on in my mind that the government's just gonna like see that billboard and be like, oh cool. Yeah, totally. We we're all about you guys having a silent revolution. And like I just don't get how people don't put the dots together there, you know um and i don't know i think they're living in stories and like we're in you know well they're only telling you michael crow weaponized narrative yeah they're gonna sell people a story right 
there's two sides to that story. The street has two sides. So it's like, well, there's you know, many stories. And so yeah. they're like, how many can you channel people into certain stories to manage them? Right. And the story that, that this friend of my friends, you know, harps on, and, and I'm not trying to slam them, but I, I do, I do have an issue with the fact that like, I know that he's just not talking about the other side of it is that you're, he's pitching this as complete self-sovereignty. You'll control it. It is the just like the libertarians are under this false notion of like, uh, this is our way to like, you know, um, get government out of our lives. No, uh, perhaps if it was like used by completely moral and ethical people, um, <laughs> uh, maybe, but it's actually when you look at it and, and I'm an average guy, I'm not a genius when you look at it, it becomes abundantly clear that it's a pathway to you having no control. You know, there, there's this video that I embedded. It's, you can look it up. It's, um, or I can, I can include the link in here, but it's a, it's, it's a not all too exciting video on digital autonomous organizations. And, and, and it's at Stanford University and there's these students talking and they're talking about what they are and the question, and I'm definitely paraphrasing here, but in essence, the question that is asked of one of these students is about, because he's like talking about how it's going to, the code will assess characters, everyone's role, and assign things fairly. And um, the question was, how can you be sure that the code won't take over and start rewriting without our <laughs> consent? Because he described it as, you know, it'll be a a participatory partnership, you know, like you picture a conference table with the humans uh, on the side, and then, you know, um, this uh, AI in the middle helping us. And he couldn't <laughs> yeah. answer the question. He couldn't answer the question. So what that tells me is like, you know, your, your common sense, what I would call street smarts kicks in and says, you know, if you're talking about a technology that well outdoes humans at a certain point, how in the world can you say that you can program it not to do that? Couldn't it just- With quantum computing now. Right, yeah, like outdo you, it, it can outdo your code, you know? So like all of this stuff to me, it, I, I feel like, I mean, and who knows how close we are, but we'll get to a point, I think we're dancing on the cliff personally where you know you'll reach that point they call it the singularity or whatever and there's that singularity project i think right is that a website that we or, well singularity university and then singularitynet.net singularity um where essentially it will have exceeded it will it will run things and they're pitching that as democracy and I don't see how people aren't understanding the absolute day. I'll even meet people halfway and say, you know, okay, I can see the good and the marbles in certain technology, but talk about the dual and triple and quadruple uses of these things. And then look at the people, which I want to get back to real quick. Some of the people that the revolving door between like public office and, and, you know, um, being involved in some of these powerful organizations and ask yourself, do you, do you really think that it's going to be about self-sovereignty? Do you really think that's what these people are? are See, I would say about? the sovereignty piece mm -hmm. is still assuming that we would want to be a commodity. 
Like that is creating an economic construct. Like when you agree to become sovereign, it's that it's creating a, a const, an economic, like ultimately it's an economic and social construct of you as an isolated individual that can be participate in exchanges on free markets. And is that what the essence of our life is meant to be? Not to me. And so that's a bigger question, right? And so, you know, in, in the self, the sovereignty movement has always been like the idea of sovereignty, this word, and they, they're very intentional about the words that they use. Um, the self, you know, um, sovereignty has been central to blockchain identity for forever. Yeah. It's, it's nothing that just came out, you know, of nowhere. And so the libertarian sovereignty, crypto sovereignty, that sort of thing, you, you just have to be clear. Like, are you agreeing? Is this the world that you want to agree to be an object, a data commodity, a thing that is transacting in global information exchanges? And that, I mean, that's part of, you know, this, this challenge I was having with this conversation with this person was, listen, like, I do not agree to any of this. <laughs> like, I want to step back and interrogate augmented reality. Right. Before we even go down the road of like, is your digital wallet for children on Lego something that I think is good or not? Can we go back and say, is this world like, do let's interrogate the power structure around mixed reality and who's right. actually behind it. So and let's then, talk like, about that for a minute then. Yeah. Uh, because I think that because your, your, your mind uh, is just way more organized than mine. But let's go back to the augmented reality in that statement you just said, and who's who's behind it? Can you talk talk a little bit about that, like if we could just rewind. Well, so this person would say, like their their narrative was that they would, you know, they're going to empower vulnerable people by giving them control of their data, right? And right. it's going to be super private, and it's going to be super decentralized. And those are the code words that that come out of the blockchain crypto space. It's like empowerment, liberty, and you know, data privacy control. But ultimately, what they're not talking about is it, behind the scenes, MIT has developed something called the Enigma Protocol, which is now called the Secret Network, that allows bulk querying on encrypted data. So this is all the stuff that's going to run the prediction markets for the global impact commodities, right? So, and ultimately, if you have, quote unquote, privacy in a digital wallet, and you've set up a world where every door you want to go into has a QR code that you have to scan in to see if you're allowed based on your compliance data to go in, I don't fucking care if it's private. Right. It's actually not private. Like it's that's not, not the conversation. Right. I'm not falling for the privacy conversation right. because ultimately their primary goal is to get the inter the data interoperable so they can pull it into the secret network so they can do the machine learning on it. And then meanwhile, use the internet of things sensors to control our movements. I, you know, say you have a line of 10 people go trying to get in the drugstore and you're QR code on your phone doesn't work because you don't have the token. You haven't done the thing that they expect you to do. Well, everybody in the line's going to know you didn't have the thing in your wallet. Right. Who cares if technically it's private on the blockchain? Right. It's not private and it's not the world that we want to live in. And, and in certainly my your, your family and friends and people are going to know, <laughs> you know what I mean? That you're on the outs. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, like anytime you try to use a, a service or avail yourself and, and then you're locked out, anyone in the vicinity knows what happened. I mean, let's not play Nobody's games. gonna wanna be that person, you know? Well, I mean, I guess it's, it's self, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I think he's, 
is he French or Canadian? But he was talking about, like I had it in one of my other slide decks, um, like self-policing. It's like they're indoctrinating people into self-policing because that's the most efficient kind of policing to do too, right? But but the key words that they used to throw out are like liberation, uh, decentralization, and privacy. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want to talk about your wallet right now. Can we talk about mixed reality? Let's Let's talk talk about about who's actually, do you know about the secret network? Do you understand what MIT and um, do you understand the United States as an imperial actor? Most people in the U.S. wouldn't consider us an empire. They wouldn't consider us as a military, like they would consider us always just a, you know, a benevolent military power. They don't consider, you know what I mean? Like that's the mythology of the, the right. United States. They right. don't actually look at it from, well, what is the, what was the indigenous people's experience with US military power? Like what were the, what, what, what was the experience of, you know, all of the, the, you know, central and South American governments that were overthrown by US power, you know, under the, the guise of controlling, you know, our part of the world during the cold war. Like what are all of these, we, we, we're not prepared to grapple with what we really are. Right. Because now all of those systems are turning in on its own domestic population. Well, exactly. And and, and Shai Dan, I think I'm pronouncing, when you Dan, interviewed yeah. him, he said yeah. um, that he, you know, I think that he said, you know, uh, I was in the IDF or, or to paraphrase, he said, you know, the IDF uh, has all these tools that it's used against other people and our entire surve- uh, surveillance state. And now during this, it's turning inward. Yeah, And I forget who said it years and years ago after 9-11, but they said, um, whatever a government is willing to do to other people, it will ultimately do it to its citizens. Yeah. It it may take time, but that's what will happen. Well, and it's crazy. So this is, um, so in March, we're going to go out to Salt Lake City. I'm going to go back. And and so this Mormon transhumanist conference is happening. And um, that's still a hard concept for me to wrap my mind around Mormon transhumanism. Like, yeah, well, they're very big in the technology and they're also very big in this idea of transfiguration and evidently resurrecting the dead. And that if you understand blockchain as a mind file, as a substrate independent mind, like the intersection of technology and, you know, post-humanism is actually not that far of a stretch. Now, I'm not saying that this, approaches the majority it's right. I, I think based on what i think i think it certainly isn't but i think that there are very key players because right. the, the the church's um investments which are considerable in the technology and the biotech space are, are are feeding this right so it can be this fringe element who's then also upholding the larger capital investments in the fourth industrial revolution tech biotech automation robotics space of the church. And so, but if you look at Utah itself, it's military history, right? Um, it's, it was the birthplace of the ARPANET, um, the inter, you know, which became internet outside of uh, Salt Lake City at the Alta Ski Resort. The Human Genome Project was also planned out there in 1984. That was one of the key meetings launching that. They have a very big center uh, biotech medical center in synthetic biology. They're also very big in um, uh, University of Utah in uh, gaming, metaverse building, data. I mean, Bluffdale Data Center is there. That's the, the you know the NSA. Um, there's quite a number of other data centers. There's all of this stuff and going along. Stuff in Utah that people wouldn't even suspect, right? You know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it just depends on if you're willing to look. I mean, but during the Second World War, like. Uh, 
Dugway Proving Grounds, there was a lot of chemical, re chemical weapons research, um, and it, it's still ongoing as far as I understand. Um, and then so much of the West, the, the nuclear um, testing, like there was fallout on civilian populations, like intentional, like they knew it was gonna harm people. Tens of thousands, if not millions of people in the West were, the Cold War was waged against our own people on our own soil through radiation. There was testing and, done in Arizona and they detected fallout in New Jersey from it. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And so like later we're gonna go out to Southeastern Utah and spend some time, like again, balancing out the energies there, but that's near Four Corners. And so when I was looking at the place that we're, the town that we're gonna be in, it was a center of uranium processing after in the Cold War. And initially, I don't know if it started with the Manhattan Project, but the, the reservations, the Navajo reservation near the Four Corners was an epicenter of uranium mining during the Second World War and the 50s and 60s. And they, it would, that those uranium and vanadium, which the company, the United, like American Vanadium Company or United Vanadium Company um, run by Prescott Bush, right? So there we go. And the, the Navajo- hands and everything that was just- and, and these mines were very small because the deposits were small and the miners were predominantly people from the reservation and they didn't, weren't told about the radiation. Of course not. The dust was all over, like in this town where the, the, the uranium was processed, they never told anyone about the problems, the waste, the tailings, it's a cancer center. These miners had 44 times the level of exposure to radiation than survivors of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. That's- and so like, this is like the disposability of American life right. by the government, like under the military construct. So to me, this is the central reckoning. Right. It's like, we are in a war on natural life. And then the cancer, the, the, um, there are many cancer treatment centers and I'm trying to remember the guy and I, I can't think of his name, but he actually hit the Wharton Business School building is named after him. And, and he, he endowed the cancer research center and then that's all dual use. So now the whole cancer industry is also being connected to the nanomachine um, genetic manipulation technologies, right? Cause they're like, oh, we're gonna do targeted tumor whatever with our nanomachines and our prescribed Lego building blocks of our DNA that we're gonna program to go in and treat cancer but they never actually fix it. So like you've got, you create the disaster you harm people then you create the next excuse to do the next thing you wanna do. And this is why I keep thinking like it's a predator energy. Like right. I'm not saying any one person thought back far enough that when they started doing like the nuclear testing in the West that that the goal was to make people sick and then create a cancer industry and then create nanomedicines and then create transhumanism. But like this Mormon transhumanist association, their, their meeting this year, their focus is blockchain right. and the blockchain mind files, but it's very directly connected to libertarians, uh, charter cities. Uh, What's a charter City, so quick. Charter Cities is a concept advanced by Paul Romer of NYU. And essentially it's this idea that you can like carve out a place in like a sovereign country and just run it yourself by a corporation or some other country. And they tried to set it up in Honduras. I think it actually may have cycled back to redoing it in Honduras, but like Sidewalk Labs in Toronto. I mean, I think ultimately, and maybe there was a like a tech city in Las Vegas that was advanced that you would just have a, a corporate, a totally corporate city. 
And so if you can imagine now, like with all of the lockdowns, all the people going to Central America, right? Like all the expats, all of the distance telecommuting class, right? Oh, just carve out a nice little charter city and a choice resort location, right. kick out all the native people. Like then the, you can have their telepresence robots come in and clean your hotel room and like serve your food on it. You know, like right. that's the world they're building, and but they're the building it in a libertarian context, a lot of it. And so like a lot, those people are the ones who are pointing fingers and saying, oh, it's the communists. And I'm like, no right. guys, like this whole blockchain thing is being run and they want the conservative West to embrace all this crap. Right. They want everybody to eat it up, not knowing that regular folks are not going to be the ones, you know, sitting poolside in Costa Rica, like with a waiter robot in the in the charter city world that is being built, because that's going to only be the very tippy top of the. the so that's the food. part of the initial mixed reality, right, is is like is, is stuff like that. So, um, you know, the the um, telecommuting, the uh, the. The person I'm thinking about that video out of Japan, I think it might have been on your YouTube channel where um, somebody from their home was was wearing some haptic suit and they were serving mm -hmm. coffee at a cafe. Yeah, uh, that was their avatar, their little machine avatar or whatever, um, and they were serving and able to talk to the yeah. customers. Yeah, through the well. robot. Yeah. And a lot of this is being baked in the telepresence into um, the disability community. Right. So, and again, you know, there are cases where you could maybe make a case that this is an enhancement to people's lives, although it's unclear whether are people being compelled to work in that cafe? Like, would they rather like be doing other activities? Right. Are they paying off their rent of their uh, hospital bed by working in the cafe? Like, what is the power dynamic? And it's interesting because I think that those robots actually were connected to the um, Al Nippon Airways uh, avatar project. I, when I was listening to the, the presentation, it sounded like those robots were developed by them. There's just, there's so many moving parts to all of this. And it's, it's like, I've been tr thinking for a long time about how, <clears throat> as best as I can, you know, to try to, with the knowledge I have to try to like, um, get people interested in this. My, my, my dad said, and I think I've told you this, my dad said years and years ago, in the 90s um that he he saw where we were going we thought he was crazy you know what i mean you know he was he was like you know so he, he would talk about uh you know the essentially all all of this you know i mean he didn't use the words blockchain we didn't even know what that was but i remember reading brave new world uh standing in the kitchen uh, while he was cooking pasta and I was like you know dad when do you think you know we're gonna have the brave new world and he's like we're in it you yeah. know like it's 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 emerging right now we had just gotten internet in our home and to him you know it was I think you know he thought it was oh yeah it's neat but it it unnerved him and he said that this will be the end of what it means to be human eventually as mm -hmm. cool as it is this threatens everything that it, that it means to be because you know the first game that I that I really became obsessed with was like Oregon Trail, mm -hmm. uh, uh, which which is you know I mean an interesting game it it really is, but 
am you know he wasn't trying to slam me he's like of all games you could play i suppose you know there's worse games but get outside and get back to the activities that you were used to go for a bike ride go hang out with your friends you know he never when pagers were big and you know mm-hmm. people were you know paging each other they didn't let us have those things we also couldn't afford those things but like he wouldn't let us have those things and that wasn't that was like cemented into me I waited as long as I could to get it I didn't get a cell phone Alice until until 2006 I didn't get a cell phone you know like I I I stayed away from that and honestly if uh if it was feasible I would but I know no you know I mean like I don't even know if I could get a landline installed I would love to go back to those to those days but um back to the whole trying to make it palatable for people and that conversation that I was having with my mom in front of us in that parking lot was a row of those electric car chargers. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen those? Like in like, you know, you pull in and you and I guess you just plug it in and then you go yeah. shopping or and you come back out. I don't know. I don't know how it works or you just sit there. Uh, but I pointed to them and I was like, you know, the, where do you think? with all this energy that's going to be used and them talking at the same time about transitioning out of, you know, all of the toxic energy in ways we produce energy, uh, computing and all of this stuff, this tech tech world, which she's well aware of, everyone is, whether you are into what we're talking about or not, everyone is aware that technology is rapidly advancing. It's all over the TV, it's being advertised, 5G this, 5G that, you know, the one, the marvels of it, we're, People don't, and understandably so, uh, I guess, you know, in the fast paced environment, they don't stop to think of like, how is that going to be powered and understanding the immense amount of energy it takes to do that more than anything that we're using now. So where's it going to come from? You know, like it's going to come again, not to be redundant, but I think it's really important to be us. Yeah. You know, the, the, and I, and maybe you can answer this question for me, like, does that, in the terms of the pay for success thing, which is that's a Judith Roden is she's involved in a lot of that, right? Uh, I was reading yeah, a I mean, report from 2010 when she was at Rockefeller, but. Right, yeah, she, when she was the president of Rockefeller Foundation, she's not anymore, but she helped essentially establish the rules for the new game of impact investing through the Global Impact um, Investment Network, which but- is interesting, it's called. Yeah, yeah, G-I-I-N, through at the Rockefeller Foundation. So pay as you go. Well, well, you know, I know I know that there's the social impact investing, which is like a whole other it's a whole other demonic thing on its on its own. Just the idea that can get to that in a minute. But but as far as pay, pay as you go and pay for success. Um, maybe you can help me understand, like, is it do you see that being tied to the earning the tokens to live? like to participate in society is that part of that um in addition to just like the job training and the the re you know the retraining of the economy and all that um we expound a little more on what pay as you go pay for uh, these pay success programs are so i'm not exactly sure like the the pay as you go piece um 
as a concept. I, I do think that this is framed as the circular economy. That's another one of the, the terms that they use. And yeah, no, it really no, hit me no, yesterday no. when I was looking at Melanie Swan's paper about the um, like nano neural robots is that they were actually talking. <laughs> I know, right? But like, this is, these are things we have to grapple with, right? Yep. And, and you know, meanwhile on Twitter, there are these people like, oh, I'm a teacher in tech. It was a Texas teacher actually. And I'm starting a curriculum in Bitcoin. And I'm like, well, first I think you need to teach kids about the metaverse, right? Like right. you don't even, before you do your infomercial, like teach things that kids, something they actually need to understand about the world. But so within the nano neural robot paper, she was talking about, um, essentially like managing and weighting the system and uh, among the different neural activities and using blockchain almost in an economic, quote unquote, an economy of exchange within the brain's neurons. Okay. So it was like balancing the system through blockchain in an economy, but it was a neural economy. It wasn't like an economy the way we most people would understand it. Which now. has to do with mostly interacting with other people and, and transact, you know. It's yeah, but it's like a neurons transacting with other neurons, right? Oh, Through wow. blockchain, right? And but, it, but her framing was as an economic system. And I think it's like, how do you balance the load? Because this is circuitry. This is literally circuitry is what they're trying to do is like the bioelectrical circuitry management. And so what, what, I, what hit me was, the circular economy, the circle is the circuit, right? Like that's the macro macro level is the circular economy is how does the globe function in terms of balancing everything out, which is at the nano level, which is the, you know, your blockchain economic neural economy is the teeny tiny one. And then the circular economy tied to the sustainable development goals is the really big version. Right. And so they're trying to, and again, some of it is fictional, right? Because who's saying what the game is, who's saying what the proper behaviors are, like who's saying what the data really is or what it means. And if you have power and control of the media and control of the access to the things people need to live, you can make up whatever story you want and make people repeat the story that you're telling them, right? Like, so it doesn't necessarily have to be reality, like what is reality? So I'm feeling like the pay as you go is part of the circular economy exchange. Like you have to produce in order to have assets that you need to live. And so I think there's like a Black Mirror episode about that, like 50 million merits or something like that, which yeah. is, is fundamentally the techno te technocracy frame that Patrick Wood speaks about. And that again, I think that that's an important part of the history that industrially engineered society by technicians um, that is is real and documented from the late 19th century, Thorsten Veblen up through Columbia University School of Industrial Engineering, this idea of an industrially engineered economy. But it has to be brought forward into today's economic construct, which is blockchain, human capital finance, and ultimately blockchain is capitalism. It's not communism. Like the blockchain stuff isn't it's, it's, a communist framing. Yeah, so like, we have to uh, like slavery. You know, though, you know, like uh, capitalism, yeah, we can call it that, but like I'm looking for an even, I want, I, when describing it to people, I want to be factual, but I also want people who are so familiar with that phrase that they have um, misgivings or about it or like like it for reasons unrelated to what we're talking, you and I are talking about here, right? Like to, to me, and maybe it's too harsh, but it's a, 
it's a looking at it it's a conduit to slavery like there's 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 the old-fashioned chains and then there's blockchain where yeah. like they it's, tell you <laughs> what's that they tell you yeah yeah there's <laughs> no there's, there's, block there's, yeah. yeah, there's no like like in the intro, I, I also in included something that you say a lot, which is, you know, look, nobody dropped me a hot tip. Nobody whispered in my ear. Hey, Allison, you know, <laughs> there's this state secret, you know, the, it's out there. The information um, is out there. Uh, later on, I, I guess I'll edit this and go back to what you just said about the circular economy. But I, I you you nailed it right there for me anyway, with the the paying it's just in a different format right the 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 paying or earning a token or an asset to be able to move to the next step or to participate in any function of society yeah um and, and it's crazy i've i've talked in the past i i did a short video cuz it's like about our recycle bank points mm. like because there's something so innocuous about like you, you're living in this belly of the beast. And then you, there's something that, you know, not that you pay attention to it a lot, but like literally Philadelphia had this pilot of, of a barcode that you stuck on your recycling bin. And it was developed out of Wharton. Again, like the people were Wharton alumni, right? And they're like, oh, well, it's a nudge, right? Oh, you, if you recycle, there's you another, get a credit, you get some nudge. sort of an alternative credit system that you can use to acquire goods and services limited among what we, you know, offer. But nobody recycled to get the points. And nobody was like, well, should I recycle this week? Hmm, I wonder how many points I can get. You just do it, right? right? And so it wasn't really, but there was this subtle nudge element. And then eventually when the thing folded, you know, and again, as these things do, they didn't really fold. They just kind of go quite dormant to come back up in a new version. Right. Um, right. But they, they do, people, you could donate your points to the schools, right? To like school garden programs or something. Right. So and then everybody, and then that's the civic. Oh, I didn't, it wasn't for right. me. It was for the common good. Here, here, right. have all my recycle bank points. Yeah. And it's all a fiction. Right. And who even knows what happened to that recycling? Because a lot of it doesn't even get recycled, you know, and right. like the, the bottom dropped out of the recycling market. It's, and then, it's about conditioning at the end of the day. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 um, to people. and once you see the nudges, like, Again, but where is that in this future circular economy? If you don't comply to the thing and we have documentation that you complied or you didn't comply with our digital record system right, on blockchain ID, it's every, gonna shape how you re react. Everything is on there. I wanna just say something about social nudges real quick. And then I have a, a question for you about the metaverse and what you would do, because you mentioned being in the classroom and what teachers should maybe be talking about first. As far as the social nudges, I hop around a lot. I'm glad that you, <laughs> Allison just kind of rolls with me and I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but uh, in that talk with my mom that day, um, mm -hmm. actually, no, this was a talk in 2020 when I was talking about how they were going to force the vaccines. And she said, you know, I, I don't, she, it was a convivial conversation because we have a very close relationship. It wasn't like argumentative, but she's like, no, people won't accept that. I have faith that people won't accept that. She did. But she's like, you know, I have a faith that people won't accept that and it won't be. I'm like, and I cited an article out of sciencemag.com, uh, I think. And um, it was from July 2020. And they go into talking about vaccine hesitancy because at that point, polls were indicating that only about 50% of Americans were willing to do the vaccine. I don't know 
if it was like one of those strongly agree, agree, you know, whatever. Yeah. But that was the gist of it. And throughout the article, they talked about social nudges and talked about tying it to certain things. And I was like, well, mom, I don't, I'm not saying that they're going to, a jackboot thug's going to, from the military is going to kick down your door in the middle of the night uh, when these roll out, if I don't take it and like hold me down and jab me. But what about if disability is tied to it? What about if they start um, saying, well, you know, you don't have to get the vaccine, but unfortunately your insurance premiums uh, at your employer, you know, they're not going to contribute their part anymore, or you're going to have to contribute more. And they're proposing those things now. Um, And I was just guessing. And like I said, I'm not, I'm an average person, but I was just thinking after reading that article where this, this expert, and I forget her name, expert she's talking uh, in psychology she's talking about social nudges she's like look we don't have to force people the, and she's framing it in this benevolent way like she's like the good news is is that we can use social nudges to help people become more comfortable with it through the way we through language we use through um and through tying it to services she was very blunt and that part mm-hmm. sent chills down my spine what i didn't see coming And I still, to this day, I'm going to say this publicly, I think for the first time, as someone with an extraordinary abuse history, you know, in a treatment center, I I recognized it right away. uh, And I've worked, you know, in, you know, with, in treatment centers for kids, because of course my mission has been to protect kids. I didn't even know that that's what I was getting into at first but you know because you bury this stuff deep inside you but 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 where i'm going with this is the grooming relationship uh, between an abuser and their prey and when they started rolling out these insane lotteries uh and incentives and inducements for people to get the vaccines i'm talking like big stuff i was like how are people not creeped out by this and there was one in particular allison and it was, I forget the, the governor of West Virginia's name, but he was competing with DeWine of Ohio. And he was, um, and obviously some pressure had been put on him to get the vaccination rates up. And uh, I, Kay Ivy of Alabama too. Um, but I didn't, I don't know what program she had, but the governor of West Virginia put out a TV, which you could still find on YouTube. And I'll try to remember to link it. And he's like, you know, we can't let Ohio, you know, outdo us with uh, with their incentives. You know, we're going to be giving away guns. We're going to be giving away F. Uh, my brother would kill me right now because I'm going to butcher the name of this truck. And he loves trucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ford 150s or whatever, like uh, scholarships, lotteries. I mean, all of this stuff, you know, and then I'm thinking to myself, just to myself, like, are they going to then pivot at some point in a couple of months? Because I believe this was in the summer and say, well, see, we, 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 were, we tried everything. We even gave you stuff. We made it as easy as possible and you unvaccinated, you're still being, you're still being difficult um, and refusing to, to do it. Uh, and then of course, on, in September, Joe, the president came out with the mandate or whatever, which to me was is it also a distraction because Supreme Court ruling or not localities are doing this I don't think that that had anything to do with anything other than taking our mind off what we should be focusing on 
but but the the social nudges are it's such a powerful component to me uh, and it manifests in so many different ways like i don't were you really were you aware of some of those uh incentives did you see any of those commercials or hear about any of those for the vaccines um they called them nudges they called them incentives and social nudges yeah i mean yeah i i was familiar with that and i mean before the pandemic i hadn't really most of my research had been around education, right. but I did actually write two blog posts about nudges, digital nudges and the healthcare sectors um, tied to the University of Pennsylvania health system, like the Center for Behave Health and Behavioral Economics. And uh, Angela Duckworth, who is the grit professor at Penn and about like executive function and she runs this character lab, but she's an affiliate of something called Ideas 42 uh, the 42 is connected to ideas and it's a spin out out of Harvard and it's all about uh, social science research and nudges. Um, so if you look back at the extensive, uh, all of the people affiliated with that, the, the fact that a lot of the pay for success finance is connected to this behavioral insights team, uh, the, the, and which started out as the UK nudge unit and Michael Bloomberg actually brought it from the UK here and they have a center at Harvard, and then they had another, I can't remember where the other center is, but Philadelphia was actually the first city, the first municipal level nudge unit. Surprise, surprise. You know, yeah, right. They launched yeah, out of Penn, yeah. right? And I remember going to yeah. a talk saying, who it, put it, the behavioral it's almost, scientists It's almost intentional, like the, the placement of all of these things, right? So, you know, you've got the city of independence and freedom and look at where dom the dome uh, the domination it's, see it's, that's it's the just... thing can i just say first oh yeah please I would, please i would encourage you know i was trying to tell this guy last night i was like you have to look up stephen newcomb's work because stephen newcomb's work like pagans in the promised land he's a um uh shawnee lenape uh, heritage and he has spent his life studying the papal bulls and he has studied the treaties and essentially understanding that the entirety of the american property law system is an indian law gotcha so because so so in the promised land yeah and stephen with the v stephen newcomb and so he, he does a lot of linguistic analysis and part of it is he talks about the papal bulls being like the, instead of the doctrine of discovery, the doctrine of domination and the role of dom the domination principle, which I think in some respects is perhaps more accurate than slavery, because I think slavery has a certain amount of framing that comes with it. But domination can have a whole range, right? You can Good physically point. dominate people, you can mentally dominate people, you can economically, there's a whole range of like extreme domination to light domination, like to a point that maybe you're not even aware you're being manipulated. But the way he talks about freedom is the dom is under the dome. And so for Philadelphia, the whole frame of the freedom and the Liberty Bell, um, which is the dome and it's under the yoke it hangs under the yoke. And even within the California mission systems and the bell was Pavlovian and you governed your day by the bell is that you, they will allow you to live um, within the limitations given you under the dome. 
but you have to agree to live under the dome. And that's for me is like the metaverse. It's the new dome, right? And so the digital ID will give you, you can be a self-sovereign, self-selling commodity citizen under the dome of the metaverse if you agree to live under the dome. If you don't wanna be under the dome and you wanna live outside of that structural system, they're, they're gonna come after you. Like they're gonna come and try to erase you off the planet, right? So it's like, it's the Truman Show. Or, you can or, live in yeah, our dome, exactly. or if you, you wanna live outside the dome, you are a threat. You savage reservations, like in the brave new world or something like that. Yeah. Um, before I and ask- so the freedom principle of Philadelphia is like beyond all the Freemasonry yes. stuff connected, you know, Just, but is it's an inversion. And when people are like, freedom, 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 I'm like, no, that's the wrong word. Right, we should be talking. So what, what word would you use to replace freedom in terms of, um, let's say we get past this and we're able to reestablish our connection with the natural world, um, our self-autonomy, what word would you use to replace freedom considering the root, the, you know, what we just talked about with the, the meaning of the word and domination and all I that. I mean, it's maybe not as elegant a word, but like not the so concept good. of reciprocity, like for me, that's yeah, very it. meaningful because that is going back to in relation. And I think, again, within the geopolitics, there are, there's libertarians like bootstrap individualism, da, 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 like I'm on my own, I'm doing my own thing, like autonomy over everything. And I'm like, well, but actually we are connected. Like we're connected to our environments, to all the natural, the, to, from your microbiome to our the bi tree, Our vibrations the, are connected too. Yeah. So it is a reciprocal relationship, but not in an engineered circuitry. Right. Like they would like to turn it all into a circuit. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's, it's, it, there's something more sacred and elegant, maybe a sacred reciprocity. Like, and that, that, that we are, we have responsibilities to one another while we need to respect each other's agency and our gifts in the world and our um, ability to be self-directed. In exchange for that, we also have obligations. You don't just get to do stuff and not have to give back, not right. have to like, do your part in the larger community. Right. Uh, before I ask the question about the metaverse, just one one note on that, because I think you, uh, you really uh, hit home for me with, with all that. Um, I was, you know, commenting in a blog post that I'm writing on, I'm trying to recreate my website now that I have more time. Time. I'm getting ready to move. How do I have time? But so anyway, I'm trying. I'm trying to redo it. Uh, but I was talking about, um, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, I know everybody is out there. You know, people who are, you know, you know, saying they're resisting all of this stuff, whether it's the vaccine mandates or stuff as deep as what we're talking about, like the thirty thousand feet looking down. Um, but but they're all about their brand and their thing on social media. And and, and my point in the post, which I'll post uh, this weekend, is that um, if, you know, I'm all about my personal individualism and I'm all about, you know, being responsible for myself, but I also believe in forming communities and helping each other. And the reality is if we're not united on this, if we can't uh, find a way to connect with each other and collaborate with each other and work with each other without letting this, monster this because it always finds a way to sneak its way in there you know uh co-opt mm -hmm. movements 
then we're not going to make it. You know what I mean? Like they've got people, you know, in these little rooms now, like you, which you had mentioned months ago, like, you know, the rooms popping up and apps like, you know, uh, Instagram. And, and now it's even on Twitter. Like there's like little, I just saw like a little thing, like safe space and like creating my own room. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. So if you look close enough, like it's, I don't know if you have Twitter, I think you do. Right. Um, there's an update yeah. and it's, and it's in there. No, I don't engage with that, but I'm like, I wonder about that, you know, and I'm not going to jump to conclusions. It could be something completely different than what you were talking about, but I have a feeling it's not. Anyway, um, if you if you were a, a teacher, if you if you had, because I often wonder about this. Originally, I first things first is I I was going to be a teacher. Um, it's not what I wanted to do necessarily. That was a more practical thing. Like I told you, writing acting like drama that was all my stuff but had to fall back on something practical so teaching uh and then I never ended up staying with it but if you you were a teacher um and you were introducing you had a 90 minute block for a, a week say or even a day however you choose and you were introducing the metaverse to the students starting with that so they need to start with that how would you help them understand on a base level and let's let's say it's high schoolers because I don't even know how I would begin to describe this to a middle schooler, but how would you frame it to them? How would you help them understand? Um, I guess for me, I like, I would maybe approach it with like, you know, here's the good and the bad, and then try to help them understand the nefarious part since all the positive stuff is what's hammered home. But what would be your approach? How would you help educate them on what it is, what it, what the ramifications could be. Hmm. Um, well, so, so one of the things I loved most when I was in elementary school was classroom read alouds. Mm, I did not like that. No, you didn't? Like I, not, 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 the not when I was young, but as I got older. But like when the teachers like would like there would be this like and I still have memories of like two different teachers, like, and you know, there'd be like 15 or 20 minutes a day. And right. you know, they're reading the not and, and it wasn't like a test. This wasn't a novel you were being tested on or anything. It was just right. a nice thing. Right. And right. I don't know, it was like Island of the Blue Dolphins with a K. Oh, I thought you meant yeah, when my, it was my when it was my turn to read aloud sometimes. No, this is the teacher. So gotcha. the teacher no, would sit in front that. of the class. I love and then that. the kids could like, you could put your head on your desk and you could just listen. Yes. And I, yeah. there were these like lovely books and often, you know, this is like third, fourth, fifth grade. Yep. And yep. they were sort of adventure books, like, but with good story. And I'm sure like looking back, a lot of them are probably politically, would be considered politically incorrect at this point, but whatever, like they were imaginative books. Right. And like, I still have this feeling of like the you know, it, them winding up and they're going, oh, it's almost time to finish up. And like, no, 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 just one more chapter, one more yeah. chapter, right? Like, and so like that, like, so I think like read alouds are especially in the day of all this digital media consumption that are really lovely. And so a friend who is a, a Waldorf teacher, I was talking with her a couple of weeks ago and she's like, Allison, you have to, you have to read Ender's Game. And I don't, I don't know if you've read that. So it's, it's a, it's a it. young adult novel, but essentially it is it's a you know science fiction like a space war thing they're they're 
raising child soldiers, essentially. They have these, like, they groom these brilliant, brightest children, and they take them to this space colony, and then they have them do these battles against the buggers. That's the enemy that had come generations ago to kill all the people, and they're coming back. So the kids have to, like, train to to kill the buggers. And these are little kids. Like, in this book, the kid is six. And then like, I think it's like six to 12, right? And so they run them through these simulations in anti-gravity space. And so it's about like military, but the adults who are running it um, manipulate the kids and they, at the end, they start to wreck the game. They change all the rules. And then like at the end, they're like making the kids fight like two battles or two battles a day with like three groups battling, like every single rule that was at the beginning, like they've thrown out and they just, they destabilize everything for the kids. And the kids like eventually realize like the adults are liars, right? Right. The adults are, and the, the, the key figure in the story at the end, it goes to a new kind of simulation where it's really like a video game. And they tell them that it's, it's, um, just this next level of training. And he's not with physically with kids, but he's like online with them in this gaming environment. And at the very last, like the crescendo of it, it's like his graduation, whatever, going to the next level. And he ends up using this weapon that destroys the whole planet of the buggers, right? And and then afterwards, like people are watching like in an audience, whatever. And it turns out it was all real. Like the video game was actually a war and he did actually just destroy a whole planet. <laughs> and then eventually in the next book like he becomes like in that book he's the hero because everyone's like oh but he committed they call it genocide like he killed an entire species of these and but he didn't know because the adults all along the way were manipulating him right. not telling him the whole truth training him to do things emotionally abusive to this whole thing and allowing this knowing that this was going to be this endpoint and that what they needed was someone who was empathetic enough to get inside the minds of the enemy to know their strategies to to end them really um but that someone who was that empathetic wouldn't actually do it and so it was kept a secret and so like to me the metaverse like within that construct is if if you were to do a read aloud with a class of that book but like at the same time, have some introductions to like the structure of empire. Like what does empire, and, and it could go back to Roman empire, right? Like how were cultures devastated, assimilated, erased? You know, what did it look like in like the Romans going after, you know, the Europeans and the Celts? Like what did it look like in the US and the, 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 the indigenous people? And then understanding the imperial construct and then applying that to the metaverse right. and saying we are new, moving into a new imperial structure and one in which the children are on the front lines, like the youth and right. one they in are. which the, the adults are so compromised, like many adults, that you really have to find your way and like to maybe not make it so dark that it's, but to give them the reality of what right. the power structure is and what the capability of of some of this stuff is. Like to, to look back at Disney and uh, the Institute for Creative Technologies and the Army Research Lab and show the interface between Hollywood and propaganda and the war machine and the video gaming industry and the creation of synthetic people and deep fake people and just and then and then asking is this 
do we want to build this empire? Because it is the youth that will be asked to build and defend the empire as a military construct. Right. And it might look like a game and you might never know if it's real or not. Right, right. Well, or you might find out down the line, uh, way down the line, who knows where you may go your whole life without knowing, you know. I, I walked into work the other night. I take every little opportunity I can. The reason I ask is because it's like, how do we make this somewhat palatable so that people can see it as it, because now that I'm seeing it pop up everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. um, we're in the early stages of it. And so like, so I, I'm always thinking to myself, what thing can I say when I stumble upon the appropriate moment that will plant a seed that maybe when this person passes that billboard or sees that thing on their Twitter, they're like, huh, you know, and maybe if I plant 20 seeds, one of them goes, huh, enough to like look into it. So I walk into uh, my job and uh, there's this 25 year old colleague of mine who is just a, a stellar, a stellar kid. God, I'm 40 years old now, a 25 year old as a kid, um, young man. Uh, and he's, um, he's like, sorry, I'm being a, a bad staff. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gaming in here. Everything was all settled. He wasn't being a bad staff. But uh, it was, you know, I forget what the game was called, but it was very, I mean, talk about augmented reality. He wasn't wearing anything or anything, but the graphics were just amazing. He was, and he was so into it. And his, he had his little avatar and everything like that. And um, Reader's Digest version, you know, we got into a, a quick discussion about gaming and i was like you know have you ever played pokemon go and he was like uh you know i i got into it a little bit but you know um not really you know but i know a lot of friends that got like the additional little clicker or whatever and i said go and trace the roots of like the company niantic back to q intel i think it is and essentially um it is an arm of the, it was created by the CIA, you know, in partner. And he's like, so you're telling me the government's cranking out video games? I'm like, no, Alex, what I'm saying is, is that there's, there's partnerships, you know, um, how it all works, I don't know. But, you know, he went and looked into it. And sure enough, he's like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, what does this mean? <laughs> I'm like, I can't tell you necessarily all of what it means, except for that surely they have a reason for because what you're doing in that game is is moving about, right? They're studying your movements. They're studying your location. All your location, everything you're doing. And uh, then he was particularly floored. I was like, oh, okay, I'll just drop one more, not to be too overwhelming, but one more little nugget of information. I was like, you know, look into Google geofencing, Uber, and the World Economic Forum. And later on, we'll discuss. And I got a text message. <laughs> because he took a few days off like for vacation to go to a show and whatnot with his girlfriend and he said uh oh yes we'll discuss so like i'm guessing <laughs> like he typed that up because what 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 comes up is 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 just that like the what is the shape of the hexagon like how hexagon, they break down yeah, yeah well, it it boom, you end up on on uh, on 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 that page where it's you know a little um paragraph that talks about 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 that and it's just mind-blowing because you're thinking to yourself like no uber delivers my carabas you know like uh and and my my fa 
like who what are you talking about geofencing what is geofencing you know and uh so i look for little ways like that to try to help people because i see all of this coming together very i i like I mean, to harken back to you know saying you were saying it's a slow boil and i agree with you and maybe it's just me feeling like it's accelerating but i also wonder if they are feeling like they're not a people are waking up and b they're behind the curve a little bit and they're picking up the pace or like you said they're experimenting and you're probably right they're they're experimenting with different approaches to see like what works because i see different things happening in different countries with this the simulation vaccine. yeah it's waiting right like so like if you look back at the gaming like when you say oh is the cia like into video games i'm like well if you look at the history of serious games, they all come out of the military. It's military simulation during the Cold War. If you if you look into the development and a lot of it, even the early chess games, their strategy and they're to train the AI, but they're Cold War gaming scenarios, even war games, you know, the movie, right? It's they're building these computational things to do the simulations. You know, some of the simulations are economic models, right? Some of the simulations right. are war models. Some of the simulations are climate models. Um, they're simulating it, but it's all gamified and then it's all weighted. So they're like, well, what if we adjust this variable? What happens? Well, what right. if we adjust this variable? And so I feel like we're in one giant ongoing experiment of, Absolutely, yeah. you know, when Giordano talks about the mind is the battlescape space, yeah. right? And the media is the weapon. The media is this mechanism for adjusting the control system for the weaponized narrative warfare. Which story are you living in, right? Like I made a firm line on the child labor thing. I'm like, do you have to pick a storyline? Like is your story child labor on online is liberatory and child sovereignty is, is a good thing or not so much, right? Like there are these things. And then, but a lot of it, it, it plays on murkiness. They want everything to be murky. They want people to sample a bunch of different scenarios and then get all the data and then figure out which is most effective in the nudging space. Well, and then it's going to be because it's like, you mm -hmm. know, me and uh, my dear friend, um, Harris, who, who really loves your work too. We're talking about like, it's like, we know all this stuff and yet they still manage to surprise us. And it's because they've got so many different iterations out there of like what, you know, um, their programs and, and and what testing out what works it's just like you know that the next thing is around the corner but it's like what are they going to do i think i have an idea and then they like come out of left field with something that is either completely it's all tied into the same agenda but they approached it a way you didn't see it coming or at least me you know what i mean like like i said I think I'm an intelligent person, but I'm an average dude. You know, I, I can put the puzzle pieces together. I can make and have made for my family because this is, you know, one of the approaches I find that I can take that is sort of effective um, is I will look at the year, like I did this in 2021 and I'm going to do it in 2022 and be like, you know, here are a few things I, that I know are going to happen. Um, here are a few things that I think are very plausible. One thing I, I know, I, I'm very close to saying I, I know, I mean, just based on so, so much stuff, there's too much literature to like cite right here, but I don't see them, I see the narrative around masking changing because they, they want these facial, they can do retinal stuff, they can, they can 
monitor us through body movements and stuff, but they want, they have all this money invested in facial recognition technology that's already employed in China, widespread. Um, and they want that here too. How are you gonna do that with a masked population? And all, already there's just in certain areas, you know, they're talking about uh, Israel in the Times of Israel. I think an article just came out that was talking about, you know, um, they're still boosting like crazy with the vaccines, but they're like, you know, maybe it's time to, to lift the green pass and the masks. Uh, in the UK, uh, out of nowhere, you know, he's like, it's time, you know, that we lift these restrictions. And I, I do wonder, and I'm very, I'm actually very confident that within the year, while there will be other mandates and restrictions that are coming down the pike, because I, I think some stuff is really coming down the pike, that they won't be able to use that technology if everyone's got a bandage on their face that's covering most of their face. I could be completely wrong about that. Um, but I, and I think people would adjust to that because what was it last spring? Um, time has all seemed to like squash together during this pandemic. It, it's like so distorted, but I, there was a period of time where it was like, you know, they lifted all the restrictions. I remember walking into a Walgreens and, you know, I didn't mask anyway, but I would always kind of have it like on my arm or like whatever, in case I really needed something and someone was going to give me a hard time and I just wasn't ready to go to the mask. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have mine on. It was on my arm, like kind of just ready to be pulled off and put on like that's sanitary, but whatever. I was ready to play the game. <laughs> and uh, but the guy in front of me was masked and the cashier was like, you know, jubilant um, and her manager, system manager, whatever was standing next to her. And they're like, you don't need to mask. You know, so like all those things were lifted, and even in Connecticut, my home state, where it's like really draconian, they got a little bit lighter with it. And then, boom, next wave, I think it was Omicron or whatever, or the Delta, uh, and everyone mask again. But when they, the guidance came out that said we can lean back on that, I went into HEB, and I'm going to tell you right now that two-thirds of people, I'm throwing that number out there, obviously, as an approximation, but I'm I think it's probably more than that, Allison, that we're not masked as soon as they reinstated the media campaign. All of a sudden I walk in and I'm looking for people like me that are unmasked. Now the culture is different. People, I've only been given a hard time in the beginning. Other than that, people really don't give you a hard time. Yeah. But um, the fact that- but the, see, the thing is, I think we're going to get to a point that it's more about the testing regime. All right, talk like, to me about that then. Yeah. So, I, I mean, and that's part of something I touched on in, in the video I just posted, but you can sort of see the pushing around, I think I even it. in the resistance movements, like the white coats, like you would, you would imagine that people who are questioning more broadly Rockefeller medicine, allopathic medicine, wouldn't necessarily center the medical establishment, like as the centerpiece of the resistance, but a lot of the, you know, anti-mandates, things like they've got all their doctors lined up in white coats like that's an authoritarian system yeah. so they're just saying like we've got our team our team is over here in the white coats like so don't listen to Fauci but listen to our team where the white coat doctors because they have early they have you know early treatment options that everybody right, needs right, right. to use and yeah. and I think anybody who's paid attention to Rogan and 
the ivermectin and like the craziness about the Spotify, like that is all being manufactured by the, the AI algorithms to surface all of that. And, and, and Rogan is like hand in hand with this sort of early treatment protocol narrative. And again, right. you know, he's, he's in Austin now. Right. Yes. So like, I believe. So. Yeah. So if you look even within RFK Jr.'s Fauci book, like what he lifts up is early treatment. And within that, I have a couple of like paragraphs that are specifically like drawn straight from the book where they say, you know, his first chapter is called a mismanaged pandemic. So that's the framing, a mismanaged pandemic, which one presumes he is asserting there is a pandemic. Right. And one that it was mismanaged. So Fauci mismanaged it. But the next one, the implication is the next pandemic will manage it better because we have our techniques, right? Our early treatment techniques. And if you if you look into a lot of these drugs that they're they're pushing, um, including the antidepressant drugs, which have really scary side effects, especially right. for young people, um, they're this repurposed drugs, they're building a whole um, financial model around pay for success for repurposing drugs. So this and the guy Steve Kirsch is all meshed. So imagine, like, you can dial up whatever he's public been health. Right. a hero, by the way, Steve Kirsch. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like, you know? So he, and his his um his uh, fund for early treatment is managed by Rockefeller Philanthropy Advisors, right? And he he's an MIT grad who worked with Vin, uh, Vince Cerf, who who donated to his fund, and he uh, developed online identity, and now he's doing token blockchain stuff. Of course he is, you know, and right. it's, it's, so it's, like none of it is a shocker, but they 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 create celebrity personas. So so there's the one section where they're talking about repurposed drugs. If everyone had just been the asymptomatic people had been treated early within a week of exposure, we would have wrapped this up by April. Like literally, that is in the book. And the same, there's a, a another section where McCullough is saying this, and it's saying like. The Chinese, that's what they did. Extensive track and tracing. They hospitalized anybody who was uh, COVID infected through the testing protocol, and then they fixed it. And we could have done that. So so with the early testing regime and all of that, um, is part of what you're saying is that they're prepping us for you know, this next thing and that whole regime of the tracking and tracing. Of, and I yeah. also wonder in terms of, okay, so you take these tests uh, whether they're home tests, you can send them to the lab or whatever of, of data collection. Like That's what's huge. in that? So how much? Well, how and, much and the you thing know is, it's that? also your token, right? right. Your token for the day, for, right? Yeah, so it's your. What is? Do you have a freedom token this week? Yeah. Right. And so a health token know, or whatever. I, I have a, a clip in my presentation from a guy. This is April 2020, and I believe that he was the head of the St. Louis Federal Reserve, and this was on um, a mainstream news channel. And like meet the press or something like that, face the nation. Oh, that's about as mainstream as you can get. Yeah, yeah, it's totally mainstream. And they're like, oh my gosh, well, like, will we ever get back to the economy? And this is April 2020. Okay. So we're like, what, six weeks in? Right. And he's like, well, as a matter of fact, we have the technology. We have, we should be, um, we'll have a daily testing for everyone. And then you'll wear something like a badge. And then everyone will feel comfortable returning to society. So April 2020, nobody had any tests for anything. The central bankers knew exactly what was coming. And he like said it on national television. But at the time, the, what, nobody. What was, his, what was his name? Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, you know, I have to look. It, it, he's, okay. I believe he's the head of the St. Louis Fed. And but I have it, it in the slide deck. 
okay. um, of the presentation I just posted. Gotcha. But it's like, it's like a two minute clip, but he's like, oh yeah, no, we already have the technology. It's like daily testing. And then you wear a badge that lets people know you're safe. And they're like, oh, okay. You know, and that's, what's going to get people back. And nobody knew in April, 2020, what that meant really. Like right. people couldn't even conceptualize blockchain identity tokens, daily testing, antigen testing, this stuff. You know, well, God, that's remarkable. And so just, just real quick here to, to kind of piggyback on, on all of that. So like, if you're, and we've known this for a long time, right? This goes back to, this all feeds into the two-tier society. It's so complex. Um, it sounds simple, but it's not just about, you know, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. It's about all of this other stuff too. Okay. So for, for example, providing you with your hero, you know, your, your leader out of the crisis. So, you know, the first time um, I'll admit that I, I, I saw a Dr. Robert Malone and um, Steve Kirsch on the Dark Horse podcast with Brett Weinstein, who, who I enjoy listening to him and, and, and Heather, I, you know, I mean, I don't listen to them religiously, but um, when I do, I, I at least find it interesting. I, I like to arm myself with data all, all around what people are thinking, what people's stances are so that I can engage in those discussions thoughtfully. Sometimes it's very painful, as I'm sure you understand. Um, but, but, I, but I was hearing these two talk and I'm like, briefly, before my cynicism got, you know, I, actually, you know what, scratch that word. Before my common sense got a better of me and said, Sean, <laughs> slow down. You know, like these two are talking uh, as if, and they're being pitched and every, you know, in the comments, everyone's like, thank goodness for people like you guys blowing the lid open on this thing. Um, and I, 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 I didn't look deeply into, I looked into Robert Malone, but not Steve Kirsch. This is the first I'm hearing about his history, but I'm like, there's just no way. I just, it's, I, I, I don't believe easily. I'm not easily convinced in, um, whenever this, whenever we're presented with uh, so-called leaders and heroes out of this situation. I, I just don't, I believe we all need to be leading. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I'm yeah. not being very eloquent about that, but I immediately, my spidey senses go off. And, and a lot of times uh, that irritates <laughs> some, I wouldn't say, irrit they people in my life sometimes, you know, chide me about that. You know, they're like, you know, can't you just believe anything? You know, my, my friend over here, you know, Lionel, very into Rob, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. And I was like, look, I, I just, I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about him, um, but you're touting him as a hero. And he's like, well, he, you know, he's taking a stand on these vaccines. He's doing this and that. I'm like, I just, I, I don't trust it. And I can't back that up with anything yet, but I'm going to look more into it. Um, I, 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 I always come back to the censorship regime is powerful. And if he, I just, if, if he was really onto something and on our side, I believe it would be much more difficult for him to be heard. Does that make sense? I believe, you know, I don't believe it. I mean, he's everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, I don't- well, I would I don't... just say like for people who are supporting children's health defense, like within the book, like how, how do you reconcile the idea that you would 
because the early treatment protocol is for asymptomatic people, optimally within a week of quote unquote exposure, whatever that means for a virus that hasn't been isolated. Testing and all that. This is like ivermectin, hydrochloroquine, these SSRIs, like these are all mainstream drugs. I didn't know they were using SSRIs for- um, Yeah, that's Kerr, that's his big thing. He wants to push that. Fluxo something, I mean, whatever. Like, so that's his thing. Right. And so, and that's, I have slides on that in my presentation. And so, and all these repurposed drugs that are linked to pay for success finance, and some of it is actually the pay for success finance is linked to blockchain um, finance, like tokens and governance tokens and things kind of crazy. That's actually out of New Zealand, but, but the logic, if you're endorsing this idea that we could better manage a pandemic with treatment of asymptomatic people within a week of quote unquote exposure. What does that look like? Like you're going to to treat people who aren't, who have no symptoms? Like I would say probably 95% of the resistance movement would be like, no, 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 we're not treating people with no symptoms. That doesn't make sense. Like we actually are skeptical of Rockefeller medicine, which this is. Right. So and then how do you how do you find those asymptomatic people who have tested positive within a week of exposure? Well, there's no way to do that unless you implement an ongoing biosurveillance regime. Right. Like there's no other logical way to do that. Right. So Robert, like if Bobby is going to like better manage the next pandemic with his early treatment protocols and repurpose drugs, what exactly does that look like? Right. Because once you actually look at it closely, the whole thing falls apart. Right. And it all and it all feeds into everything yeah. else we've been talking about in terms of interoperable, like everything, like everything, the, the web, everything, everything is, everything is connected in the, you know, but, and they want people so state is like a light statement compared to what we're talking about here with the contact tracing. But they want that. people invested into these yeah. personalities. Right. And my, my gut is that the people who are who understand the nature of this are certainly not going to follow Bobby off the cliff when he's like, here, let's, you know, if he follows this protocol, which logically leads to a daily testing regime, some, you know, tied to digital identity. Like, I can't believe that the the people who support children's health defense would do that, but there's no other way to happen. So either he's going to have to backtrack and say, he wasn't about that really. And then step back from all the white coats, or he's going to double down and we'll just see where it goes. But like, people have to understand they're being emotionally manipulated so all then, of this media and well, like i mean you could claim that i'm emotionally media- manipulating people like i'm not doing this for clicks or money exactly or we're doing we're, like we're if anything like i'm block block blocking people and like get put you know but yeah. get clear if you're not like bye like i'm not here to be your celebrity and right. you know but you're being manip- people are being manipulated and yeah. they need to understand that and listen with their heart and then follow what's true Exactly. Exactly. As uh, I had somebody ask me, um, I, I work at a temporarily until I relocate because the walls are closing in on me here in Austin. Um, uh, at a uh, at a treatment center, and I, I can be vague because there's a, like two hundred of them here in Austin. Um, I wish that's an exaggeration, but not by much. With with uh, young adults and. Um, I didn't initiate the conversation when I was giving out morning, like, you know, vitamins and meds and whatnot. Uh, some of them just pop in there. Um, most of them aren't on meds, which is awesome, but some of them just pop in there for conversation. And he was like, you know, he, he broached the subject 
of a lot of this stuff um because you know this place right now does not make me mask does not make me vaccine vaccinate which is why i'm there <laughs> That's great. um but he said uh, you know if because i was saying basically when you when you peel back the layer even the good guys are unfortunately not really the good guys and it's very sad but you know that doesn't mean you should despair we just need to connect with each other and he's like so who are the good guys and before i could answer <laughs> he said i'm guessing we have to find those amongst our our communities it's us yeah. you know it's it's yeah. within it's it's within our neighborhoods it's within our communities um we're we're each other's heroes like yeah and not be counting and i was like wow well, you know he's like 21 but so insightful and said it so much more eloquently than me i'm supposed to be a writer i'm just like wow wow you really nailed it there but it, he, he what he was talking about is like you know we're not and I've used this term too, but you know, he said you know, we have to be united and find each other to go through this thing instead of going around it by counting on heroes on YouTube. And I was like, dang, you just made my day. <clears throat> I like I work nights. I was like, I'll be and I, he laughed, but I was actually being serious and and I I think he knew that. I just for a moment I was like, thank goodness. You know what I mean? Because here's a 21-year-old that gets it as much as you can you know like yeah. uh it's not over it, it's it's not not by not not by a long shot but you know i mean <laughs> they're gonna take a stab at, at all of this i still believe they're going to go you know i looked at um operation collective strength which was their their war games for the financial stuff and um i had thought the routers article when I first read it this is part of the problem with working overnight is that you know it just sometimes your senses just aren't as sharp you know your circadian rhythm is totally off but I thought it was in the spring so and then looking at the COVID exercises they had they had it that October right and then we launched into all of it the following February March mm -hmm. So the first time I read the Router's article about collective strength and the nations participating in what they call the war games, financial and cyber attack war games, I thought it said something about June 9th. So I was like, oh, this is coming up. I reread the article and it happened December 9th, if I'm correct. If the, I'm off on the date, the point is, frankly, that it already happened. They already did it. Yeah. And so the question <laughs> is like, there's so much involved in that exercise uh it's it's like a conversation for and i don't know if you know much about it you're pretty well read on all this stuff but um it, it lays out for you the next rung on the ladder so it's like all right now we've got you know um this vaccine stuff and this passport stuff going uh we'll let that run in the background and keep pushing that at the local level and but then you know, Bill Gates had cited, um, or it was on the World Economic Forum too, whether it was him or Klaus Schwab, probably both multiple speakers talking about a cyber pandemic. And then if you remember, we had a couple incidents, I forget which time of year it was, but there was a power plant or a gas, some kind of big facility that had a cyber attack on it. 
a couple of cyber attacks in the U.S. where um, the, it came on the news of like, you know, this happened, but no worries. You know, we fixed our fire. We did this. We did. We upgraded. Um, but they're readying us for something big on that front, I think. And then the financial system. I think collapsed. the cyber, the cyber stuff is also to get to force people to have a unique identifier to access right. the internet. Right. So, which is the metaverse? With that, yeah. with that segue, um, there's several different things here that, as we kind of wrap up, I, I just want to touch on um, for my own kind of clarification, because you talk about a lot. So there's, we've got the internet of things, which I start with because everybody at this point has heard of that. Um, okay. <clears throat> uh, then the internet of bodies, which most, I mean, it's not like I'm out there on the street walking a beat and doing samples right. of like what people <laughs> think, but, but in general, when I, when I, you know, kind of um, just ca casually bring it up and, and talk to people and I have these conversations wherever I find an in. So surpris <laughs> surprisingly, like people, people will engage, but m when you bring up the internet of bodies and spatial web, people are like, huh? Uh, internet of things people are like oh yeah yeah I've totally heard of that you know you, you, the, your your fridge your tells you you know like how much food you've got left make suggestions um, uh, digital twinning people haven't heard of um, the metaverse of course is hitting major platforms so if people haven't heard of it uh, they're about to become familiar I guess in the established in in with it in the way that the establishment wants them to because again i fall back on and i know a lot of people may not like to hear this but i fall back on if it ends up on the joe rogan experience uh spot uh, hosted by spotify i don't care what debate they're pretending to have in public it's information that the establishment is cool with us having yeah i just that's what i think like i i if they weren't yeah, cool, and the thing yeah. is like i would say if people could in doing their own investigations, replace metaverse with the spatial web or web 3.0, right. and then look into places like Accenture, Deloitte, um, NVIDIA, right? It's, it's these entities, it's the accounting firms who are keeping the ledgers, <laughs> it's the global accountancies, and it's the global tech companies. So it's not that Facebook in many respects, I think is supposed to keep it very superficial and controlled. Like right. it's the controlled narrative over there. Did, did and then about them changing their name to Meta? Had you heard about that yeah, before? Yeah. yeah. And then I, I have, but I I've seen like lately, because I don't follow anyone on Twitter, but like I get these. Pro so the only things besides my own tweets are like the promo things, but there are all these things about like Facebook stock is dropped, blah, 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 blah. It's losing money. And again, that's part of the control narrative. Like they want you to think that metaverse is Facebook and that that's some indication about the metaverse. And while it may be an authentic, indication of how people feel about augmented reality it's not representative of the interests the militarized state surveillance finance global finance interests that are pushing mixed reality they want you to keep it in a nice little package over here with facebook right yeah because that's and then that's how you're going to define it and it'll be approachable yeah. and um before before i go on to a couple last things uh, i i remember watching a clip from a CNN documentary on the 80s, and it was um, the tech boom. They, it was like a series on the 80s. And there was one little clip where um, Steve Jobs is being interviewed by some local reporter. And um, the guy's asking about computers. And long story short is um, 
Jobs says to him, do you currently use a, a calculator? And the guy says, of course. He says, do you use an ATM machine? And he says, of course. And then I think he asks him about one other primitive thing they had at the time. And he said, okay, so um, all of those things you use, and uh, credit cards, I think was the thing. Uh, he said, all those things you use, and they're, they've done nothing but make your life convenient. Computers and the home computer um, will be a thing of the future, and it won't be or some Orwellian thing. It will be hum come at you in a very human way that will be uh, framed, not framed, that will be there to make your life easier. In other words, he was saying, you know, it'll be, it'll be incredibly uh, approachable. It won't be scary. You, you know, you're not going to have to, um, it's, it's not this big Orwellian thing. I mean, he was, he was the salesperson. Was, what was it? Wozniak was his partner. Yeah. So he was the computing genius. Yeah. Jobs was the salesperson. He was brilliant at it. But I, I, I always keep coming back to that. I'm like every, and with the Facebook thing, with what you just said about them changing their name, what a brilliant way to make people misunderstand what the meta is mm -hmm. yeah you know um or not tell the full story or not tell it's the a full story. story yeah yeah um there's so much we could touch on here but where what progress do you see them making this year in terms of um in terms of the meta in terms of um you said to replace the spatial web idea with with meta right like Inverse. in my in my neighborhood that i'll soon be leaving but wherever i go there it will be right um they have just laid all the groundwork for fiber google fiber and 5g and believe me trying to sleep during the day that construction was loud <laughs> but it's all there um and a big 5g tower that i'll take a picture of and show it to uh is right outside my home on the corner of pheasant and oriole here it, it it is it is frightening so you know and and it feels like it's going at a breathtaking pace in austin it really is when i look at like the maps and google it it's like every day it seems to be expanding more and more where do you if you just had to just throw something at the wall to see if it sticks like where do you see the progress by the end of this year just for fun like i mean it, it could be an educated guess and i know that's a tough one i'm just yeah. i mean i, I think about it a lot i mean part of it is because um, i think that they have a lot of different pilots going on in different places right like because it's a cloud-based system so like over in this corner you're piloting digital driver's licenses and over here you're piloting mastery transcripts and over here so the You're question is, when do they merge those or, you know, I don't know. Like, I hate to over speculate. Like yeah, for me, too. my me skill too. is to yeah, say like, like this, these are the contours. These right. are the signals I'm getting. This is what people say that they have planned. And this is how right. it relates to what I've seen. Um, and the question is, will people tolerate it? Right. And then part of that, I think depends on being able to tell the story of what it actually is in an authentic way. And I think a way that is, outside of current narratives, which oddly, like when I see the people who follow me on Facebook, I mean, on Twitter, cause I'm not on Facebook, but like 
their taglines because I'll sort of see if people knew people follow and I'll just look like it's all over the place. Yeah, I can't find and you so on Twitter, I by think, the way. So make so after we're done here, like offline, if you could give that to me. That yeah, well, if people want to follow me at Philly 852, P-H-I-L-Y-852. That's who I am on Twitter. But um, it's a range of people, a very eclectic range. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think what they most want is to put us into little boxes according to ideology, political ideology, um, identity politics, geographies, various things to sort of fragment. But I do believe that if you can speak your truth in a, in a heartfelt way, and I'm not saying this is like somebody who wants to be a celebrity or your leader or anything like that, but like, I think that when you're speaking, putting your intention out in an authentic way, a lot of different people find it. And I think to me, that's the strength. It's not a sheer numbers game. It's, it's the, a building a, a narrative understanding of the truth as we, we know it, know it, right? And so I think I'm not willing to, to give up on all of this. I don't know, oh, I can't no, say how fast, right? Like who yeah. knew how, how much they could do in two years, but also some of the um, sort of hysterical stories didn't actually manifest, right? Like we're two years in and have they right. totally they cut failed, off, they like failed at a lot of things. Beans? Like, no, they're not, doing that yet am i saying it couldn't happen in the future no i'm not but like the time frames are so fluid and so i try to not make it um over the top hysteria because i can't say that right it's all about who we are in our own authenticity in our own moral position knowing that we're not perfect at it and different people are in different places of vulnerability in this machine Mm -hmm. some people can take bigger risks than other people can take i respect that um but to the extent that we can with our position within the machine are we willing to stand and speak the truth of the situation I, i have a good friend who i connected with through the education space who's a university professor she just remade her entire curriculum for her students, her high level, these are people who are in school administrative positions who are getting continuing up higher level degrees around blockchain and social impact investing. And, and, and augmented react like, uh, and, and they, and they were like, Oh, wait a minute, we don't know this, we this isn't any like range of vocabulary concepts that we are we're comfortable with. Right. And they're like, Yeah, but this is what you need to know. Like, if you're going to do this job, these are the things you need to know. And it may be hard for you to see them, but it's my position that you, you need to incorporate this into your understanding of the world. And so I'm remaking the syllabus and this is what it is. And we'll learn together. We'll learn together because we're all learning together. It's not, right. a, you know, and so imagine the world of people who are from their position in the machine. And this person is in a particularly challenging part of the machine, making these moral principle decisions. Right. Yeah. And what, how the world could change. Yeah. It's, um, I, I maintain, you know, I, I keep coming back to my family cause they're so important to me, you know, um, my dad is, uh, while he's called a lot of this, um, he's, you know, and he wouldn't mind me saying this because it's true. He'll admit it. Um, you know, he can be a pessimist because he's seen he's seen the worst of it, and he's a, he's afraid for his grandkids, and he's afraid for his children, and he's afraid for the natural world. My dad appreciates all of those things, but um, he gets very negative and defeated. Like you know, he feels like there's nothing that can be done, 
And, uh, you know, I've told my mom, even on my last visit out there, I'm like, there's a lot of noise out there. And there's a lot of, um, of fear. But this guy, <laughs> me, I'm anxious about a lot of things, but I know we can do this. You know, I, how, how it will work, um, you know, I, I, I can't lay that out, you know, but I, I do, to go back to what you're saying about the piloting, I think if I were to give an answer, it would have been similar to that. I would probably have phrased it something like, I think that they're going to continue to test us for the next couple of years. And that's okay, because within that, we get time to talk about things. And to me, the most important deterrent for the to arrest the move forward movement of this thing is open discussion is open discussion i i you know that's it's um i'm a peaceful person i think that the system is really trying i really do believe this i, I think the system is is doing its uh damnedest to provoke violence i think that they really in the end would would very much Love that. Like in Canada, Trudeau's government is like, you know, what well, we're con you're considering using the military against the truckers, you know, the convoy and the, the convoy is committed to being like, well, you can use the violence, but we're committed to to not, you know, like if that's what it comes yeah. to, you're not going to get we're staying here and we're not moving, but we're also not going to um, fight you. You know, we're just going to right. keep coming. Well, back. That was the center of the the India's the farmers protest, you know, which was so amazing, you know. Yeah, I don't, I didn't it know whatever became of that. Um, no, eventually they did repeal the farm bills, which yeah. was, was really because impressive. It be, like it was to be effective, you know, it was at like a year's anniversary. Now the challenge is, and as we know, like this is an ongoing campaign. So essentially they repealed the bills as requested. And then when they went back to their communities, then they became put under a state of emergency and government control. Right. So that's how it plays when out. The, like it's ongoing. A zag and yeah. And so right. There's about, a zig and a zag. But I for me, and this is a position that I've taken in a lot of the um some of these discussions about like libertarian groups is like why why are we not looking to the farmers protests as like a center? Because that is like a sacred consensus building those people were there for over a year under really difficult circumstances and they built community and they made that happen. Who, so um, like we need to, this is a global movement and we need yes. to look to each other and our brothers, especially I would say, as we're trying to navigate impact investing mm -hmm. uh, communities that have been harmed by structural adjustment and economic dispossession and, you know, imperial <laughs> tactics, like we should be looking to them just as we look to poor people because they've had to navigate this for a really long time. Like right. they know the terrain and, right. and we're babies. <laughs> Most yeah. of us in the US are babies about it. We just don't we're, know. We're entry level at, at, at best. Um, well, that I, I could go on forever asking, asking you, you're such a wealth of information, but I, I will link, um, I'm going to go through and try to find a lot of the information you gave me and link it in the in the um, description and of course your channel your your YouTube channel which even the the little informational clips are so helpful and then of course the the slideshows which which are just an incredible source of information that I encourage people 
to look at um, real quick. I don't know if you remember because it was a while ago that you did this interview, but it's, you guys touched on the farming protest, but you had um, a woman on from India and she, and she was amazing. Um, and she was speaking to uh, the whole, the, uh, uh, the, the, the whole kind of attack, she talked about the attack on, on women, attack on motherhood, attack on natural world, attack on uh, mother earth, attack, uh, it, all of it. And it was, and, and she was so articulate. Do you remember, I mean, I can probably find the interview, but what was her name? Do you remember? You, you've talked to so many people. I think that's my friend Deep D, um, oh. Deep D Dot. And um, yeah, she is amazing. And we actually, if you go to my channel, I should better organize it, but it's it, it's been posted maybe it's at least within the past month, so it should be near the top two or three rows. Um, we did actually a, a conversation with um, a, a woman that she knows who was actually she's a film a documentary filmmaker and she was a fellow in Austin. Um, she's Indian, but she was and she left Austin to go document the farmers' protests. Right. And so um, we did a conversation in the fall about it uh, before it had resolved. It resolved, I think, in November, and this was maybe September, September, October. But at the time, Modi was pushing back so much on anyone who was supporting the farmers. They were like having their green cards taken and having like facing really terrible things. And so we sat on it, like it didn't. The interview didn't come out until just like a few weeks ago um, oh. that Jason was able to edit it all together. But um, yeah, maybe I should make a playlist specifically for the India, the farmers protest, because we have about a couple of different interviews about it. And to me, because a lot of those folks are of the Sikh faith and combining their faith practice, which is like a very strong moral integrity um, with their activism. And they were like, you know, we're here, we're either going to win this or we're going to die here. That's, right. you know, and, and if and we and die, we've told our kids to come and take our place. Unbelievably inspirational. And we'll, we'll, you know, I keep saying we can conclude here because, but I, then I, I, I mean, like I said, I could talk to you all day about this stuff um, that to, to go back, I think I mentioned at the beginning um, and, and we've talked about this a lot too. It, it's like, one of the things that you can't go around it, you got to go through it. And people, I, I know it's hard for people to hear, but uh, you, there's no voting the way out of this. Um, there's, you know, there's the, the I think- it's both I, both sides. Yeah, I, I think understanding more about the, the farmers' protests and, and their commitment to it and their, um, their commitment to not just when things get brutal, and the system is like really coming down. They're not just like packing up their tents and being like, okay, you know, like, because it's easy to do because it's frightening. It's a frightening thing to have that, that edifice of power exert itself on you. And here in the United States, um, the United States government has unparalleled firepower. And it, it you know, I was really chilled when, uh, you know, Joe Biden, I mean, they're all, you know, up, puppets but but still he said something somebody said something about an armed citizenry and whatever your opinions are of that this was to paraphrase his response and it just I almost felt like vomit in my throat because it, it chilled me so he said who cares if they have a shotgun or an AK-47 what does that compare with F-16s and bombs and and, well, and, you know, and no Philadelphia. reporter in that room, no reporter in that room thought to say, 
what Le- right you you just offhandedly talked about i don't care i mean that's not a joke that's your gov that's your that's your so-called leader essentially saying yeah you may be able to defend yourselves but guess what we have a powerful military and we'll just simply 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 uh raise you we'll raise your community we'll kill you we have complete there's the domination again there's the full spectrum domination so i don't really care you know what i mean like gun control that's just that's just a wedge issue you know what i mean to take up time the reality is we have the power we have the force and he laughed about it because i really think in their minds they're just like you know what i mean like uh until we unite and and we're able to do that understanding the storm the the deluge of things that will come our way and not fracture yeah. under the weight of it which i i will end by saying i think that this is the moment in history where, where we will do that i don't know why i feel that way when i look around there's a lot of reasons i'm serious there's a lot of reasons <laughs> to not feel that way but i do despite the fact that i'm being forced out of my home my city um due to these mandates due to the cost of living and it's not i mean i want to stay and address situations in austin i don't want to run from it but unfortunately i can't i need to be able to feed myself and and i also have uh, a lot of people were that were with me until i started exploring a lot of this stuff and then not because they just really want to believe like my friends uh, across the way here, I it, it, I love them dearly. Um, and they are, you know, with me on no vaccine passports and they're, and, and, and if they understood the breadth of this, they would be totally on board, but they won't get into that because the, the idea of this being salvation of like Derek Bro, someone like Derek Bros being like, you know, the good guy or Steve Kirsch, the good guy that's going to lead us out of this. People need that. And if you're telling them that, hey, that isn't what you think it is. So I I get it. It's a really hard thing to hear. And the reason I get it is because I had to come to terms with that. You know what I mean? Like I'm human too. I have blood running in my veins. Like I was looking to those people full well understanding at the same time what I was looking at was not where the solution was, but still the human instinct was like, please let there be like, you know, somebody or that's going to like save us from this, but we need to unite and save ourselves. And I think we can do that. The key is going to be, I think two things. One, being able to unite community, link community to community, however that works and be ready to still maintain effective communication should communication platforms be pl- be yanked from us, um, be inaccessible to us, because at any time the establishment can do that, um, at any time. But I'm not as worried about that as I am about people forming peaceful, like say, you know, you have 10 million people that peacefully go to DC or peacefully go to, um, you know, the headquarters for Oracle or Salesforce and are like, we're not moving until this is gone Um, and be ready for whatever comes at them. If that's the case, we will win. And I do think that that will be the case, but it's going to take, 
enormous resolve and I don't I don't know what will get us there I just have this positive feeling that we will I I just I you know and I, I look forward to being a part of that I also would be lying if I said I wasn't anxious about it what I'm not is afraid of it I find some of the stuff that these people are talking about terrifying um for yeah. you know for our youth uh I don't have fear so much as like um I mean, anxiety about it, you know, but I think that that fear is I, I won't give that to them. I right now I'm working on the anxiety thing, you know, like whatever. I think, yeah. I, you know, we've all got a lot of plates in the air and it, uh, irons in the fire, whatever you want to say. Um, but I really think that this machine feeds on above and beyond anything else. Fear. Yeah. our our fear and our need to be rescued and um that i can say with confidence it, uh it was a journey and it's still i'm still on it but i've i've come to a point where i'm 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 not afraid of that you know i'm anxious about not knowing which direction they're going to come at me from come at us from um you know i'm anxious about uh, you know, whether or not some of my siblings are going to trust me the way they used to in time. Uh, I can't control those things. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, without rambling um, any further, I appreciate you. Um, stay on for just a second and then I'll edit out the last part. I just wanted to uh, chat personally for a minute.